roll tide. I think that. <laughs> I've been in South Dakota most of my life, so you know. Anyway. Welcome to Herp Talk Radio. I'm Matthew, and with me as always, we've got. And I'm Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd like to die? <laughs> so, Peggy, is there anything, uh, anything new happened in the past two weeks? Because it's actually been a while since yeah. we've talked. So. Yeah, it, it's um. Well, uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, comeback on. I posted that Freya, my uh, Western painted. Um, clown has started finally shedding her scoots and oh my gosh the the color underneath um, those four-year-old scoots is incredible and I don't help my turtles shed unless you know they're they're really peeling up and then a lot of air so that you know you just go flick and they're off because um, you know years ago I tried to help um, a turtle shed its scoots a little too early and I you know injured its shell and um, it it grew back normal, you know, the, the, the injured area uh, healed. But so, especially on this clown, there's no way I'm going to make that mistake again. I admit my mistakes. And uh, so everybody's like, well, help her shed, help her shed. No. <laughs> you know, when, when those scoots are ready to come off, they'll come off. And now that it's, um, I'm able to get the turtles out in the day, they're getting more natural sun, but our nights are still dropping down to, you know, high 40s, 50s. You know, they have to come in at night. I yeah, don't it's to... low 50s down here, so. Yeah, and it's, you know, they'll get pneumonia, you know, and, and I'm not going to do that to them. So, but I'm just so excited, you know, on, on my Instagram page and my Facebook page, you can see that shed and it's just, it's like, I can't believe a turtle's that color. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just unreal. So that's my, you know, biggest wow of the week. Awesome. Well, uh, let's start with uh, some housekeeping. Uh, Parliament Brewing. Mr. Oh, Alan Bosch yeah. sent us some yeah. beer. They're all gone. It's been too long, guys. <laughs> I can't hold on to it for well, like three weeks. And <laughs> sorry, that's not going to happen. Well, um, but I can give you a review of the two that I got, and they, yeah. I definitely got the. That was the best beer I've ever had. Yeah, that's Joel it. That. That's it. I, that is the best yeah. beer I have ever had. It, it was my style. It was perfect in the citrusy, not too hoppy. It was called Kaleidoscope. It's an IPA. It was it was the perfect balance for me. Um, I, best beer I've ever had. Well, I I can't taste it because I'm a celiac. I'm you know um, uh, maybe ten sips of beer and I'll be having convulsions. So I can't taste it. Although, <laughs> don't tell my doctor. I don't think she listens to this. <laughs> I, took a, I took a sip and like oh my you know mm, and spit it out. You know it's like oh my god that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't swallow it to really get the full tongue thing happening, and, and but oh gosh, I, I tried the 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 dark and and it, wow, so smooth. And Joel just says that's got to be one of the best darks I've ever had. And he's gonna, um, and so he cheated. You know, we were saving it for Mother's Day, and our Mother's Day celebration is tomorrow. But he cheated <laughs> and, and opened up <laughs> his two, and then his parents like, well, we hardly you know, have, have wine or beer at all anymore. And I said, okay, then you have to split one can and you will, and then you split the other can and Joel can have the rest because he's really complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm anxious to see what they say. And then I think on the next, um, you know, we can really uh, talk about Ellen, uh, the part of Ellen 
Bosch's Parliament beer, his family's beer. Yeah, that um, was more. Um, once Joel, you know, Joel can chime in and and really talk about how his mom and dad and and he got to enjoy it while I sat there with my greens gluten free. <laughs> yeah, we should get you on and just record that. That doesn't have to be on a live or anything. Yeah. You and Joel can do that on your own. Yeah, and that'd be fun to hear. I'd I'm interested. <laughs> anyway he sent two beers to me both were ipas one had like a uh like a pink floyd you know the 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 rainbow the shooting thing. out yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's called prism i bet you I'm, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> that one was pretty good but the kaleidoscope really really did it i i i wish i could find beer like that here <laughs> where is it from i feel like i've had that beer he's he's in california yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that in Alabama. But if you it just sounds really familiar. But if you can get it shipped, if you're allowed mm -hmm. to ship into your state, you can you can go and uh, yeah. ParliamentBrewing dot com and order some. Yeah, they'll ship it right to your door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if Alabama has allowed that yet or not. We're still very uh, evangelical here, so yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to look into it. You mean you don't you don't make your own moonshine down there anymore? <laughs> I, I don't, but uh, I do know some people. I have had some. It's, hey, it's, when I'm uh, down there, then. Uh, <laughs> you need to get charcoal started. It works well for that, too. So. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> it's just gas. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, other parts of housekeeping here before we get going too far. Um, we've been gone for a while. Yeah. I'm fine. Um, I'm okay. Uh, we're all okay. Um, we just... Life I'm, caught up to us. <laughs> I'm looking at looking at moving. So we're taking a trip to Charlotte in the next week and a half. We'll be down there next weekend. So if you're in the Charlotte area or within three hours or even down to Buford, because I think I'm going to run down and see the THN guys um, or anywhere along the way, uh, hit me up. My plan is to stop at a handful of people's spots, and hopefully I get more than a handful, um, to record, look at some collections, and just mm -hmm. talk even not reptiles or reptiles, everything. A little bit of everything, you know? Get to know the people that we've had on the show, some of them, and some that we haven't had on the show that I'd love to get on. So, yeah, if you're anywhere between South Dakota and South Carolina, and you would like a stop, hit me up on Herp Talk Radio on Instagram or on the Facebook page. Uh, I think that's about it for housekeeping. <laughs> I've just been super busy trying to get the house cleaned and all our stuff packed. And yeah, so I haven't had time to follow up on scheduling, which is really where this falls. So, <laughs> anyway. and, if any, and if anybody can tell Matthew where he should. Um... Uh, take up route within two hours of Charlotte. Um, the airport there is important. You know, uh, write in to us and, and let him know where uh, a good reptile hangouts and stores and vets are. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't have a plan. Oh. So if you're down there, hit me up. We'll swing by. There She's is really no the plan. To be. Yeah, there is no plan. We're going fine. down. We're going to go rent a house somewhere down there. Don't know where. We're just going to go. <laughs> wow. So we're going to come back, get our stuff later, but we're going to go. So Wow. That, I've never been that courageous in a move. <laughs> I think I think it's because other, the, 
other than reptile podcasts, I listen to a lot of like adventure motorcycle, uh, like one guy and a bike out against the world and travels the world by himself, you know? So that's where I think that comes from. It's like, just go like, there's nothing stopping you. The only thing stopping you is you. I, I couldn't do that. I'd have to have the house picked out. Like, no, that wouldn't work for me. That would make me insane. Oh, yeah. I'm feeling pretty insane right now, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> you do with your snakes as you're doing this. Yeah, that's been a part of this past week, right? Uh, I'm not as worried about the snakes, because we're only going to be gone like a week, a week and a oh. half. So, like, fill them up with water. They're, they're fine. The yeah. rats, though. Oh. rats need more attention than yeah. like our rats require almost daily attention because she mixes the food like we had smaller water bottles so we had to get the whole rat situation set up for someone else to come in and take care of them but then not come every single day sorry my puppy's so, doing something weird come here <laughs> so we built some new rat bins um, we just cut some like heavy duty totes from Walmart, put some, put some half inch wire on it, mesh on it. It was nice. They work well, great. I'm, I'm sure you can find someone to help take care of your rats. There might be a few. Oh, I've got the person. I just, the way it was set up before, there was no way one person was going to do that out of the goodness of their heart. Um, <laughs> by any sense, no one just would do that. Just a few off the top. <laughs> Oh, yeah. they're not, they're not rat people or snake oh. people. So no. <laughs> okay. anyway, let's get to Charlie here. Oh, hi. Uh, uh, hi, Charlie. Hi. This week we have Charlie from Serenity Dragons. Charlie, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Serenity Dragons? Cause it's not just you. There's Kayla as well. Yeah. And then how maybe you got in into reptiles specifically. Yeah. Okay, so we decided to start Serenity Dragons maybe two years ago. We haven't produced any animals yet. Uh, we started pairing our first Cresteds this week. Um, we have a couple pairs of boas we're going to put together this fall, of course. Um, but we decided that we wanted to get into... Um, we want to breed pets for pet people. Uh, a lot of breeders out there, it's kind of this weird pyramid scheme. You breed for other breeders and you sell them $8,000 animals and you buy $8,000 animals from them. And it's this back and forth. And I was like, man, nobody, nobody really does anything for just the people that just want one really nice, you know, hand raised, calm, handleable animal, you know? Um, so that's kind of the goal. Um, the, the boa genetics we're trying to work with are from more dwarf localities. So we're trying to not make eight foot nine foot 12 foot you know boas um and uh so that's where that kind of that idea started um as far as me personally in reptiles i mean i've been catching snakes since i was four years old i'm 37 now uh i uh, i've always been obsessed with reptiles you know national geographic and um grew up you know crocodile hunter was my hero growing up true fact that uh, he died on my 21st birthday oh, ruined man. my 21st birthday that yeah would. um but um, <clears throat> then I uh, went to college, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And then uh, I stumbled into um, nuisance wildlife control. Um, thanks to snakes, uh, a guy down here owned a franchise in a nuisance wildlife company. And 
was scared of snakes, which is a weird thing to me. Why would you do that? But uh, anyway, um, he found out, uh, found out about me through my brother's friends. He needed somebody to go catch a bunch of snakes uh, out from behind a library on a college campus. And he paid me to go catch a bunch of snakes. And I was like, you get paid to do this? Like who gets paid to catch snakes? Like, this is insane. Um, so that, that started me down that path. Um, in the interim, I've, I've jumped around. Uh, I worked at an alligator farm for a little while. It's a park, not really a farm. We call it a farm, but he's got 26 acres of Cypress Swamp. He got involved with a nuisance alligator trapper in Florida. So he's got a ton of like 13 foot plus males. And I think there's a total of like 600 alligators on property. Um, so I got to like do the feeding shows and play with 13 foot alligators. That was, that was pretty interesting. Um, but, um, and then I've been with this current company doing nuisance wildlife stuff. It'll be 11 years in June. Wow. Um, nice. so, uh, yeah, um, I got my first, I guess, legit reptile when I was 15. Um, my parents felt guilty for moving me in my sophomore year of high school and got me a corn snake. So that was my first like real pet, you know, not like caught a fence lizard or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, then, you know, uh, went in college, worked at a pet store, you know, ball python, leopard geckos, a um, couple of imported monitors that didn't live because they were imported. And I didn't know what I was doing as a 20 something year old. Um, and then uh, Kayla and I got together. Um, and when she got pregnant with our son, we got rid of everything because she was still in nursing school and I was working and we were like, how are we going to do all of this? And, and a kid, we had a one of the biggest animals we had at the time was a four foot Savannah monitor. Um, and he was actually really awesome. Um, he was, he would take naps with you on the couch. Like he was just this big scaly puppy. He just was a big puppy dog. Huh? Yeah. He was, he was really cool. He went to a really good lady, uh, here in town and, uh, I'd occasionally see her like going to Lowe's with the Savannah monitor. I doubt he's still alive now, <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, uh, anyway, um, so then we didn't have anything for, I guess maybe, 12 years until about 2019. And then um, some friends of ours had a baby Nicaraguan boa that was bitey and they couldn't get it to eat. And they were like, do you want it? And we were like, yeah, we want to get back into reptiles. And that was 2019. And now we have 10 Cresteds, two Halmaheras, eight boas, a gargoyle gecko, and uh, a two-month-old Asian water monitor. And, and a drunk purchase, I hear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that was two of the geckos. Uh, we were uh, we were drinking on a Sunday, and uh, I don't know if you know who Gabby and Brett Morph Menagerie, and then um, AJ from AJD Reptiles. They do uh, online gecko auctions, um, and we stumbled across it, and we're like, ooh, and so we <laughs> bought bought two geckos. Uh, I'm actually really happy we bought them; they're really cool. See, yeah, that, I, I, I like what you said. Is that don't get on an auction when you're drunk and I'm like, hi, if I saw, you know, that the, the Midland painted that I'm hoping somebody will breed this really, you know, and, and I'm drunk, it'll be, yeah, it's. Gonna... Well, I'm just happy we got outbid on the lychees because they went cheap, but we did not need a lychee, but we were this close to winning a lychee. We lost it by 10 bucks, but I'm just really oh, glad man. that I think we did like 410 and went for like 420 or something. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm very glad we lost that one. We do not need a lychee right now. That's <laughs> we got enough. Well, you got Halmaheras, so your hands are pretty full with snakes at that end of the day. Oh, that, well, in that aspect, yeah, there. Uh, we have well, we just got the female. She's right there. Well, and it turns out not a female. 
So we had a guaranteed male that we knew was a male. And then um, we went to Louisville, Kentucky last weekend. Uh, our son does archery and he made it to nationals in high school archery. So we went to Louisville, Kentucky for him to shoot. And there happened to be a guy on Morph Market selling Helma Harris in Louisville, Kentucky and said he had a female. So we met him after the archery meet and picked up this gecko and, you know, get it home 10 hours later and get it set up. And the next day I, I find it on the glass. So we get a really good zoom in picture of where the pores should be. And, there are definitely pores and I'm pretty sure yeah. it's male. So cool. yeah, now we got the hunt for females. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I really like Joe, uh, Joanna. You're, yes. Uh, that's the monitor. Monitor. Uh, yes. uh, that, how did you come up with the name of Joanna for a water monitor? <laughs> you ever seen the, the movie uh, rescuers down under it's a Disney movie? I think is it Disney? Uh, kid in australia yeah, giant golden eagle and he gets into the po a poachers the bad guy but the poacher's sidekick is this goofy goanna named joanna <laughs> and you know she's like stealing eggs from the poacher and doing all this other silly stuff and oh, okay. so uh it just kind of popped in our heads and i was like well she's not a goanna but it'll work you know so. <laughs> yeah she's adorable i just you know i uh, I, I, I loved watching her eat the eggs and <laughs> oh yeah she yeah. is a scaly toddler that thing runs the house already. yeah yeah uh, it's she's gorgeous she takes up more time than everything else combined <laughs> and why um, is that monitors are just demanding i mean if you want them to be interactive if you want them to be tame if you want them to you know not be you, you and you just, you have to interact with them all the time. She eats a lot. Um, she's very curious. So she likes to come out. And then when she's out, she doesn't want to just sit on you. She wants to, she literally walks this entire room. I mean, we have to keep an eye on her cause she'll try to escape and, and get in, you know, the back of the house. And, um, but I mean, she's just, and she's that confident already is two months old. I don't want to ruin that by telling her, no, you must stay in your cage because I mean, fostering confidence and trust in a monitor, especially a Asian water monitor. I mean, that's important because she's going to get big. How big? Um, if we're correct and it's a female five and a half, six feet. Oh my. Um, if we're wrong and it's a male, her dad is a mainland Asian water monitor. He's seven feet, 85 pounds. Oh, wow. Where will you keep her as an adult? Or yeah, that's the fun part. Um, <laughs> so down here, it does get warm enough. Uh, probably about six, seven months out of the year if we're lucky to keep her outside. So we, we plan on building a big outdoor enclosure for her. Um, the indoor enclosure is going to be something else we got to figure out down the road because that's going to need to be, you know, even for a six foot, I mean, you're talking what, a 12 by eight by six or something. I mean, some massive thing. It's got to have a water feature in it because yeah. uh, water monitor. And yeah, it, it's, that's going to be a trick. Um, yeah like dedicate dedicate a good chunk of your yard to it well yard time money i mean that's yeah. the thing people don't realize when they buy one of these is like she was cheap she was captive born and bred by a friend of ours uh my buddy dan craft he owns emerald coast exotics in pensacola florida um so she was handled twice a day since she was hatched so when we got her she was already super tame um and uh but i mean she was cheap in regards to reptiles i mean she was only four hundred dollars but i mean you're talking a a that enclosure to build it in the house, not including the one outside. I mean, four to six grand. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. not you know, this is why I haven't got monitors at that, all. And yeah, I, I got I I put in for the Fat Man contest. I'll take I did that. too. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'm not I don't know. Bill Bradley. But that's might, a Mertens. Bill that's Bradley a Mertens might get a phone call and just hey, Bill, you want a Mertens for your 
<laughs> well, you know, they're not going to give it to you unless you they, you have two weeks to prove to them that you have an enclosure for it. Yeah. Or they yeah. won't let you have it. Right. right. But it's a Merton's water monitor. So it's it's only as, as an adult, like three foot. Well, so, I mean, that's... they're not as big. But they require a serious – they require a Peggy Turtle level enclosure. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, they swim after crawfish and stuff. I mean, they're oh, aquatic yeah. hunters. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's – um. What is the smallest monitor that a person can buy? Probably some of the Odatrias. Um, a lot of them are from Australia. They're dwarf monitors. Probably like a, I don't know, maybe a, a Gill and I or a Kimberly Rock. They get, you know, like 18 inches as adults. <laughs> oh, wow. 18, 20 inches. Um, like a good starter, I use that in quotes. Monitor is like a, uh, uh, an, a, a red or a yellow Aki monitor. Um, they're also from Australia, but they don't, they get like the size of a bearded dragon. Oh. Um, uh, biggest problem with them is they, it's a lot of heat. Um, they, they need like, I don't, I don't actually know. I don't have one, but probably like 135 Fahrenheit, yeah, 150 about, Fahrenheit, like about ridiculously right. wow. hot masking spot. Wow. Yeah. I'd be afraid of that. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little scary. <laughs> You could yeah. cook. You could cook meat under it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the water monitor hers is one thirty, and she oh loves it. Um, so That's I mean, crazy. yeah, yeah. What what do you have for fire protections? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I was talking. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a contractor. I told him that I need to get with him and get some of the uh, really called um, the ground default outlets. So if something shorts, the outlet itself yep. has a fuse in it and you know, um, yeah, the IF, yeah, whatever. GFIs. 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 There you go. Ground fault. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. uh, I just had a few of those installed myself and, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a thing that no one thinks about too. And all these animals is, I mean, you know, lighting for everything. And then, you know, it's like timers are expensive. Everything's expensive. I mean, it's even if you're going to keep, I mean, you know, most of the stuff on the shelf behind me is crested, but I mean, they've all got bioactive. They're all planted. They've all got, you know, LED grow lights on them. I mean, you know, the whole nine yards. So, I mean, it's. it's Some of those cheap. isopods are five bucks a piece. Oh, uh, try more or than that, 20. <laughs> no, try like, try some of them are 50 to 80. Holy crap. What? I think oh. I saw one that was even more than that. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. For pill uh, bugs. I think like five rubber duckies at the last reptile show was that was like 300 bucks or something crazy. Holy cow. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any of those isopods. I got the cheap <laughs> ones that I can put in my enclosures that I don't care if the geckos eat them. Like, no. yeah. And yeah. That, and that pyramid, pyramid scheme brain comes into <laughs> yeah. effect. Like, I just need yeah. five of these. Five of these isopods, I'm sure I can get. <laughs> Some of them are actually kind of challenging to keep alive, apparently. Yeah, I, like, oh. I don't. I don't like bugs. This is why Here. I don't have lizards. But well, we've just we've just um, Joel found a a one inch jumping spider. I've never Ooh. yeah a one inch jumping spider, and I mean one was crawling you know, like last year on the back of our chairs, going back and forth, and he was black with white spots, and he was about three quarters of an inch. And and Joel goes, no, this one's a, a lot brighter, and it was just looking at me, you know? and I'm like, did you catch it? I want to see it. He goes, well, it's hanging out on you know your the the front stoop of the studio, and so I haven't seen it yet. But you know, I can't believe what those jumping spiders are are for sale. You know? Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting popular. Yeah, and well, they're, they're cool cute. pets. They're adorable. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are yeah. super cute. And then there's the 
there's the kids book isn't there with the jumping spider oh i don't know oh. mine's 14 i haven't looked into kids books in forever so <laughs> oh <laughs> man so we, got th- we got three under six so Oof. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, little different stage over here, but yeah, <laughs> it gets harder and easier. It's 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 weird how kids work. <laughs> no, I'm noticing that the six year old is easier, but yet harder uh-huh. mentally. Mentally harder, but yeah. easier to deal with. Much well, easier. Get into seventh or eighth grade. That's when my neighbors <laughs> and my my friends have said. That's why it all went wrong listen. for me, too. Yes. <laughs> our kids listen to you and Joel better than they do us. And I go, that's because when they're on our place riding our horses and having to do chores to ride our horses, no means no, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries yeah. are important. Yeah, <laughs> very much. Mm. Yeah, so I, I've raised more teenagers than my friends with teenagers because I took teenagers in from other households. And worked yeah. with their probation officers and oh. and so yeah, I, I worked with kind of like kids at risk things, mm-hmm. and so I, I've been trying to educate some of my friends. Like, well, your kids haven't reached this stage yet, and <laughs> yeah, this is close. what, we yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm too old for that now. <laughs> in my in, well, in my forties, I could really be the the extra mom, but. Mm-hmm. At, six now it's like no i'm too tired for that <laughs> well you and kayla would have a lot to talk about for the first seven and a half years that she was a nurse she was a pediatric psych nurse so yeah, yeah. ouch see she does it's okay that we didn't have kayla on because now i have an excuse to get kayla on there a different go. show <laughs> and that go. helps my scheduling problems right so <laughs> <laughs> well, i have a few biologists especially you know my Hi, John. I bet, you know, he says he's always listening. John Marshall, who's done a lot of research in turtle biology. You know, we can have him on. So uh, he, he's he's really fun. You know, he, he gave me a book on how to speak Southern and, and how to spell speaking Southern. D-A-W-G is down. Oh, do you want to make a bet right now, Peggy? How, <laughs> how long, I'll bet you, that over the course of me recording these videos... <laughs> While being down in North Carolina, I will bet you that you will hear the change and oh. I will be converted into talking a little more like this, well, which is fine because you, you, I kind of talk like this anyway, sometimes, but well, you talk like a cowboy. Yeah. Well, I don't know why South Dakota people think they're Southern, but they're not. Well, but it, we all do think we are sometimes. I don't know. Maybe it's all the country music around, uh, and all no, the no. and all the cows, and you know, you no. know we yeah, are well, the cow country. You so, know, you know, this is one thing. You know, I, 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 North and South Dakota should have been divided as West and East Dakota on the Missouri River because on the West Dakota, all the cowboys and they all talk like this. You know, the really fast kind of Southern talk, and and then on Eastern farmer territory everybody talks like diction english like tom brokaw is and that's where i was raised and and so um but you know living out here in the west i start some of my words come out cowboy (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can i confuse a lot of people because my my dad uh from pennsylvania and my mom is from alabama and so i have this weird people like where are you from i'm like alabama they're like no you're not yeah, I was going to say, you don't sound like... Um, gra- Let me have some whiskey. It comes out pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> My grandpa's from Georgia, so he still 
he still has that deep southern like it's mm-hmm. school it's school not school yeah. yeah yeah so he still he's still got that even though he's 90 years old so mm-hmm. i think i took a little bit of it yeah so now yeah, yeah now you is it reptile keeping matthew why you're moving to the south with more humidity and more warmth <laughs> no it's matthew no. keeping <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay. The reptiles will be fine anywhere I live. I could live in Alaska. I got a heater for them. <laughs> Matthew needs the sun. Ah, well, Matthew I... is tired. Okay, I'm I'm very tired of the, the freaking cold. Okay, okay. We went to Missouri on a trip. It was 40s and 50s, and they were all complaining that it was cold. And I came back. And there was six inches of snow on the ground, and it was 18 with the wind chill factor of zero. Yes. So I'm done with that. I'm done. Yeah. I cannot do it anymore. I'm done with the winter. I'm done with it. Yeah. See, down here, I actually like the winter because it's already 92 degrees well, during yeah. the day here. And yeah. I work well, outside. So I do for me, too. I'm like, winter, yay. Well, I do too, but winter is no money. Yeah. Right? Oh. So well, I work. I don't know. Yeah, you, you yeah. guys probably slow down a little in the summer because it gets too hot, but it's seasonal. Um, we we go through weird phases where like we're so busy we can't keep up, and then other moments we're like, where did all the raccoons go? We're like, uh, you know, they got to be raccoons getting into houses somewhere. Why is no one calling us? Um, but uh, I mean, we definitely get get peaks like baby seasons right now. So mm. a lot of recalls for like raccoon kits and attics and having to get that out, handle all those problems and. Um, and then, you know, the fall is like flying squirrel season from doom and bats Dude, so many bats getting in houses. Wow. Um, uh, and right now we're up to our eyeballs and armadillos. Armadillos just destroying everybody's yards right now. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and then all the babies that the, um, oh, yeah. that, that are dropped off of the, uh, can't think of it. Um, the white things, opossums. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, everybody thinks that because the possum's only this big that it needs a mama, and I'm like, no, they're done at that size. Mom's done with them. She's kicked them off. Like they're good to go. And yeah, uh, yeah. Well, some People... of them that carry twelve to X amount mm-hmm. of babies on their back, and then they they run off and leave a, a baby this big. Then yeah. Now what do you do? <laughs> well. We're not a rescue, so uh, <laughs> we have a place here called the Environmental Studies Center. They'll take baby possums. There's another place uh, on on in the beach uh, in Baldwin County that takes baby animals and rehabs them. Oh, okay, they they're not snake food then. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if a boa. Now I want to know if a boa eat a possum. Why'd you I'll put that in you. my head? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll bet you. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm a wildlife biologist, you know, the whole circle of life. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And now, now I'm kind of curious. You know, like a carpet python will eat a chicken leg. So, yeah. Like, why? Yeah, I don't see why not. <laughs> I, I haven't had a boa turn down a meal. Uh, I don't, I see posts all the time on Facebook and boa groups like, my boa hasn't eaten in three months. I'm like, well, you're doing something wrong. Like, there I've, shouldn't I, be a reason for that. Uh I've only had I've only had one boa and it was a sand boa. Oh, okay. that thing went off food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a male though, and then it went off food more in the winter time. But like, oh yeah, yeah, like just didn't want to eat in the winter. Yeah. So seasonal eating, seasonal's fine. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty normal. 
Yeah. Wow. So what, what is your favorite animal in your collection, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, for me, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's a long week, be Jaggy. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Joanna. She's the most unique animal I've ever owned. Um, like I said, uh, I had experience when I was much younger with wild caught imported baby water monitors and Nile monitors, and they were just bitey and scared and, you know, parasite loaded and you know you couldn't get weight on them and i mean it was just this awful experience and uh and you know having one like i said that was born and bred in captivity handled since it was born i mean it is a completely different i mean I, we call her the Velocidragon, dragon but i mean she's really like a, a scaly cat i mean just kind of that same wants to come to you when it wants to come to you, but then it wants to run around and terrorize things. And I mean, she's not, one of our dogs is 75 pounds and she jumped off the couch at the dog. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the dog ran. I mean, you know, I and, would too. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. When you say she, did she jump down and as if to play or bite or I think she wanted to jump. I think she just wanted to see what it was <laughs> like. She was, she wasn't trying to, she wasn't being aggressive. She wasn't being defensive. She was just like, what is this thing walking by the couch? Boing. And she missed, thankfully. But uh, I don't know what the dog would have done if there was a lizard clinging to her back. Rodeo, rodeo. Yeah. That's honestly my biggest fear. I, I, I try so hard to keep the dogs separate because yeah. I don't want any accidents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. With this this new pup that we've got, he's a year and a half Australian Kelpie who wants to round mm. up everything and, you know, even – you know, he started doing his hurting behavior with the vacuum cleaner and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, it's, so it's, it's training him to relax. And I'm really, you know, when I have the box turtles out, you know, it's like, um, he doesn't get to go out there in case he can figure out a way to get into the cage and stuff. So mm -hmm. you but, just need yeah. to get some kids for your dog to herd. That, that's what works for mine. He's a yeah. herd dog. He, he takes care of the kids. <laughs> Uh, okay. They don't like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, one thing I was really impressed, Charlie, is how um, you and Kayla have set up, you know, um, your habitats, and you mm -hmm. know, I can see them in your background there too. It's that's what I like to do. I mean, that's that's basically why I got back into turtles. I wanted a couple aquariums and fish bore me, and I wanted turtles in there because they just have more character, and you know, so I put two turtles in one tank and then two turtles in the other, and you know and then uh it, it chicken math out. takes over yeah. <laughs> yeah well i mean i was fine with that until i found those eggs on the highway and then you know that clown was born and then all of a sudden my world opened up to more than just okay you know just you know, turtle decorations in the aquarium now yeah. it was, now it was what the heck is this and talking to geneticists and breeders and getting to know the turtle world and the reptile world and like i've never done before and so I, I, I hear what you're saying is like, yeah, let's, let's get back into it. Cause like you, you know, grew up a kid collecting snakes at three and my parents didn't like that, <laughs> but I did it anyway. <laughs> and they got out in the house, but you know, I feel well, like I, that's the, it's the story that we all share because I got <laughs> yeah. out too. Right. So <laughs> like, I think it's a common story because people go through phases and things and, and that's normal, like your interests change and you you move forward and so on and so forth. So 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty common story. But well, the breeding thing triggered for me, not from wanting to make money off of it necessarily, but like seeing some of the morphs that are available in the boa world and realizing that I'm never going to be willing to pay that kind of money for that, but I could make it. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, man, I really want a sun dragon, but I'm not paying $7,500 for a dang sun dragon. Like, I'm just not doing that. So um, anyway, we actually have a female now that can make them. We just haven't found a male for her yet. But, wow. Nice. Um, so, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, that was kind of that inspiration. And then, like I said, and then we got to look in at these dwarf smaller localities and these smaller genetics like leopard boas. And, um, and then that got a little out of control. We had to put the brakes on it. We went from like three snakes to a bunch and I was like, okay, we have eight boas. We're done there for a while. Um, and then, uh, weirdly enough, we, we wound up getting three crested geckos from a local lady in a parking lot at Walmart at 10 o'clock at night. Cause she was like, Those it's Christmas. I have these baby crested geckos and I, you know, I'm just trying to sell them. So I have some more money to buy my kids Christmas presents. And we're like, do we really want crested geckos? All right, whatever. <laughs> we went and picked them up on a whim, which is a terrible reason to buy a reptile. Do not recommend. Um, and they were tiny. Uh, I don't even know if they were three grams. They were very small babies. So then we panicked. Cause I was like, not only have I never had a crested before, but I don't even know how to feed something that little. And um, so we had to do all this research, spent like all night researching how to build a, basically a shoebox bin enclosure for something that small. Um, did that, grew them up. Now they're, they're all, uh, I don't have the weights near me, but they're all over 20 grams now. They're doing fine. Um, nice. So yeah, but uh, that was, that was an adventure. So yeah, I definitely recommend do some research before you pick up an animal. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I always say have have the habitat. Once you've decided on the animal, build the habitat, and then mm -hmm. hire the animal. Mm -hmm. And you know, because I yeah. have a rescue turtle that I was talking to the biologist that I work with to release do the releases of the rescues, <clears throat> and I have one that I didn't want to put into the back into the wild population. You know, this was a, a an egg rescue again, and. Um, uh, you know, it, it has a curved sternum and I, oh. just, you know, and, um, and she's smaller than the rest of them. And so I thought, well, do we want this genetics to go into the wild? Um, or, or maybe she'll just be eaten by something, you know, is what I'm thinking. And she goes, I'll oh, just, you know, you're the, you're, you know, more about the turtles, you know, just do what you think is best. And so I, I tried to find a home for her and, um, I said, you know, but, I have to approve the habitat, at least a 20 gallon long kind of thing mm -hmm. with, with these amenities. And, and then all of a sudden the takers were just gone. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, did they, what did they expect to keep it in? You know? And yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really picky about, you know, um, you know, to me, and this is, I guess this is me working with kids um, that aren't my own, <laughs> but helping parents deal with some kids that needed help. And, uh, you know, I, I tell them that if you get your kid a pet, that pet is your responsibility. Oh, yeah. you know, it's not the child's. The child doesn't know, you know, what are all the needs of that. You have to at least supervise, and and then when there are refusals to clean the the habitat when needed, to do the feeding, to do this, I said that's your responsibility. That's too much responsibility to put on a child mm -hmm. when a living being is 
you know, dependent upon its, its care. And so I, I tell them, don't, don't, don't do that to a child. Cause you know, if, if all of a sudden something that they do wrong, and this is from, you know, my experience as a child, I, you know, I lost a couple of red ear sliders before I got it, you know, un understood like I have to do more, but I didn't get any help from my parents. I, you know, I, I, I didn't get any help from the pet store. I had, yeah. you know, I had to find, find that adult that would help me set up, you know, how to really do it right. And, and that's I had, back before the information age too, when you didn't yeah. have all the information right at your fingertips. Yeah, you could. Well, I, I realized too, that the older care guide books, like the complete guide to iguanas, for example, it's completely wrong. And they still sell that book to this day. Like the ones you used to buy in the pet stores. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I went off of. And I'm sure, I mean, that's, I, I realized just the other day that um, my brother, we had a pair of, of collared lizards when we were kids that my parents got us. And he had a female, I had a male, and we put them together. We didn't know any better. We didn't know what we were doing. They lived for a long time, but then the female got really fat, like super fat. And then we couldn't figure out why she was fat. And then she was fine. She was eating. Then she was just dead. And literally last month, it finally clicked in my head from, you know, when I was in middle school, it's like, she was egg bound. Like, I don't even know egg bound was a thing. Yeah. You know? And um, I don't know why that popped in my head a couple, like I said, like last month I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that's what did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and th and this is why, you know, the, and I, you know, my children would love that turtle. I go, well, it's going to be your responsibility. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the first thing I said, you know, because, you know, it's not a, a <clears throat> lesson. A living being is not a lesson for for them to learn is, is mm -hmm. the way I look well, at it. And no one knows. I mean, I, I was buying crickets at our local pet store and I saw this lady looking at, uh, looking at like UV lights and she had like a critter keeper in her hand and something else. And I got, it's like, Oh no, she's got a baby turtle. And I was like, Hey, I was like, did you get a baby turtle? She's like, how'd you know? And I was like, I see what you're looking at. And she was like, no, she's like, I didn't do it. I'm picking this up for a friend on the way home from work. She bought her daughter a baby turtle from somewhere. I don't know where. And, um, in Alabama, it's illegal to sell them under four inches. So who knows? But anyway, uh, and, uh, so she was trying, I was like, I was like, look, I was like, that's not even going to work for a baby. She was like, well, she's only this big. And I was like, that doesn't matter. I said, you, you're going to need a pump. You're going to need UV light. You're going to need heating. You're going to need a basking area. You're going to need an area for to get out of the water and walk around. I was like, you know, you need substrate in there. Cause they're going to go down in the bottom. And I was like, I said, and I'm not a turtle expert, aquatic turtle expert. I was like, you need to spend a lot of time on the internet. I was like, but I can tell you right now, if you put it in that, you're going to kill it. Yeah. And she was like, Oh my God. She was like, I, she didn't know how, how they didn't tell her all this when she got it. And I'm like, they never do. No, no. Cause no. you're not, you're not. That's why you got to go through a breeder, right? Cause you're, you're buying the information from the breeder. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if you're buying a $25 gecko, you're buying, <laughs> you're buying the phone call. Like, Hey, you guys bought a crusted from you, Charlie. Uh, I'm having some issues. Mm -hmm. Here's here's what's going on. If I bought mm -hmm. it from you, at least I can come to you and say, hey, if you have no idea what this is, then maybe we should work together and figure it out. Well, that that's what we want to do. I mean, uh, Kayla was texting me earlier. Um, a girl on Facebook Marketplace was selling a Exoterra, and so Kayla was like, we need another Exoterra. Um, wound up trading her a bunch of our bioactive stuff for the Exoterra, so we gave her like basically the entire starter kit. We gave her the dirt, you know, the springtails, isopods, the plants the 
everything the drainage layer like we had it all in a box with directions like here's how you set this up and apparently she can't get the gecko out of its old enclosure to get it into the bioactive or something <laughs> so i think kayla's gonna go over there tomorrow to help out but you know i mean but that that's kind of the deal i mean you got to find mentors you got to find people that you can talk to that and you know and sadly there's a lot of elitism out there and people that instead of trying to help just immediately cut you down and tell you you're an idiot and you shouldn't have that animal and Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we had a guy jump our bones, uh, over, uh, Joanna being in the sink in the kitchen. Cause she likes to go swim in the morning. And he was like, I can't believe you don't have her in a plastic bin. If you can't afford a plastic bin, then you can't have this animal. And we're like, Whoa, hold up, dude. Like it, it's a nice big, we have a big like barn style size sink and we put warm water in there. We, we temp gun it. So it's, you know, the right temperature and we put cork bark in there for her and rocks so she can climb and she jumps out, runs around the counter. She eats, you know, her breakfast sometimes on the counter and then jumps back in the water, takes her morning poop. Like it's, it's a whole experience for her. And that's that's the other key, the morning poop, right? Oh yeah. So I don't have to clean that water bowl. Yeah. You don't have to clean the water bowl, right? They poop poop it in the, in the bathtub or the sink, get it out. Yeah. But I mean, again, that, that guy had no context other than a video of a lizard in a sink. And he just concluded that we couldn't afford a plastic bin. I'm like, what? You don't need that monitor. Blah, blah, blah. And then he started calling us Alabama Hicks and we didn't know anything. Oh, I and saw that on Instagram. Yeah. 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 That was, that was, a fa- that was, that was, that was favorite. Yeah. Um, oh man. So anyway, I was just like, dude, what is your deal, man? Yeah. Well, and they, I don't know why, you know, why these people have to do that way. It's like, you know, where did civility go? Where did um, knowing how to um, have friendly debates instead of that, you know, because, you know, when when I first announced like, okay, what do I have here? You know, and and I looked up, you know, like it's a clown, but I've never seen a clown like this. And I've seen, you know, red or slider clowns. And, you know, YouTube, you can learn about everything. Like, oh, here's a bunch of uh, Eastern painted clowns. And, Mm-hmm. And oh, here's a southern painted clown on YouTube. Um, I just I just saw recently a Midland painted clown. Um, you know that just by googling it and finding out it was um, born at a uh, a nature center uh, pond. And and so it. But when I first announced it out there, boy, the people said, "Oh, you don't know anything. You've got to you know you've got to sell it to me." And <laughs> yeah, so, excuse me, guy but I've got two biology degrees. I know how to look stuff up. <laughs> I know how I've been taking care of turtles my whole life. I doubt if this turtle is going to be, you know, um, that much different than the painted turtles I already have. And, but she is, she requires more care. She's not as genetically sound. I would mm-hmm. say her, her, her growth is stunted. You know, her brother's grown, you know, I, you know, twice as, fast as as her so i knew i'm dealing with a an individual whose biochemical pathways are not as sound as the wild type so i mean but it's like the meanness and the and the assumptions and and no questions asked we just know this about you you well and this this goes into something that i've listened to on another podcast on the reptile gumbo podcast um where they got a chameleon and they got a chameleon from a very reputable breeder that they know that they've had on their show. And they went to the chameleon groups and they posted pictures and they're like, hey, look at my new chameleon. And they have plastic plants in there. 
mm-hmm. and they got railed for the plastic plants. Oh, yeah. You're going to kill your chameleon having plastic plants in there? And I guess he left a comment like, yeah, uh, all I did was say, hey, look at my chameleon. I didn't ask for help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so oh, no. Facebook. Meredith, Facebook, no. Sorry. I didn't know if it was mine. Um, <laughs> so Facebook and the, those groups are just. It's just the the loudest voice wins, and the loudest voice isn't always the best. No, I, I, I the loudest voice if they're obnoxious, lock. <laughs> well, it's like Kayla's made some friends on Instagram, and when she gets she she works the three to eleven shift at her hospital, so if she gets home, I'm already in bed. So to unwind, she gets on these Instagram lives with some friends she's made on Instagram, and um, they were talking about something, and she was showing one of the boas off, and our female boas are all in six foot enclosures. We don't keep any adults in Iraq and I never will. And that's just the way we do things. And uh, dude jumped her about having boas at a six foot in a six foot enclosure because it was a waste of space and money. Oh, too much space. Yeah, because adult boas only need a four by two by two. I'm like, you want me to put it almost six foot, a five and a half foot animal in a four foot by two foot? No, like I'm just not doing that. Like I, no yeah. um yeah people yeah. have weird opinions man oh, <laughs> well and one of my issues with, with the podcast and why i kind of took a little break if you've made it this far and you're very interested in that congratulations um <laughs> one of the reasons is the theory of the echo chamber the echo chambers on facebook and it's it's just everybody reverb reverberating the same stuff and i felt like maybe i'm contributing in a different sense not in the facebook way but in the podcast realm so i'm gonna try not to do that and be more open but i feel like the podcast realm could become an echo chamber if we're not careful some podcasts i've listened to kind of are so well, if you uh, want controversy, hey, uh, turn me loose. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. you're you're the one I want to sick on it if I do. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I grew up in the '60s, baby. <laughs> I know how to real, you know, make a stink. <laughs> well, I just I don't don't want to be contributing to an echo chamber, whether it's a good echo chamber or not. It's still we're complaining about an echo chamber on Facebook of bad stuff. But if we make an echo chamber of good stuff, is that just as bad? Well, I think the echo chamber, it, it, I mean, no matter what you do when you befriend people, so say Matthew and I, we hit it off and we start messaging a lot and I come back on and we become friends. I mean, eventually then maybe someone of another one of your friends becomes my friend because now we're talking a bunch and then you kind of form these circles. But I think the point is no matter what you do, it's hard to stay out of an echo chamber because you're always going to be attracted to like-minded people and want to spend, that's just the way we are as hairless monkeys um and uh but the point is like i think like paul of paul's monitors he does a really good job like he has a lot of really strong opinions about things but he's really good at talking about them and and having that open conversation and not taking out the pitchfork and the torches and going after people and you know and that's kind of i feel the way that it needs to go i mean you know i remember a couple months ago there was that whole blow up where um i don't remember who it was he put out that thing about uh rack systems making ball pythons brain smaller or something and then every ball python breeder out of like just came out of the woodwork attacking the guy and 
screaming on about how, you know, they live in termite mounds and it just got ugly and it went back and forth for a couple of weeks. And I was like, well, how about we just talk about it? And I'm really messing my whole life up over here. Yeah. It's, it's like wiggling everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, again, if there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to go about stuff. And so, I mean, you know, talking to people is great. It's, it's when you get in these, extremes i guess or when you become very elitist like well i've been doing this i mean i you know i had a guy come at me in a tree monitor group i asked a question said a thing and he came at me and he's like you've only been this group for 30 days and i was like yeah i found it 30 days ago but i've been keeping reptiles for like 20 years dude like chill out you know mm -hmm. uh so it's, it's the, yeah i think we always have to remember we all have more to learn right so the, the idea of locking yourself behind the belief mm -hmm. is is where where we need to not if that makes sense not lock yeah. ourselves behind a belief completely because even though it's somewhat right it could be wrong also herb talk radio keeps typing lol in the comments and that's, that's not me, me. Oh, oh, okay. I I've been like yeah. texting texting anyone who has access to my devices. Like, are you on my sh right now? <laughs> I'm freaking out, no, pegs. I was, no, I was I was typing that at uh, at Serenity here. I don't know. It's it, Kayla. She's at work watching. Okay, yeah. Where where you that you were so close to getting that, and I laughed. It's like, oh yeah, I know I know that feeling. <laughs> oh man, I thought we got hacked here. It's just Peggy. No, um, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm, you know, that's yeah. Awesome. I'm laughing, but it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I but, should have uh, the stream pulled up. I don't have the stream pulled up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I, I get involved. I have strong opinions, and I try I to. I, I, and I, and I'm very. I try to be diplomatic because I, you know, I used to be a spokesman for Game Fish and Parks. You know, a, mm -hmm. a, an information specialist you know kind of thing and you know how how to describe the machinations of setting hunting limits and why we need a, another hunting limit because this population is doing this destruction and you know and having to explain you know it's better to shoot these excess deer rather than watching them starve and get diseased and you know all that sort of thing and you know slideshow presentations blah 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 you know and so i i'm I always try to address controversy by trying to win the other person over mm -hmm. to um, a, a learned um, uh, consensus of what you know the, the 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 majority of a particular population accepts. You know, especially you know the scientific consensus or the game fish and park consensus. You know why this is happening and explain that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, that's how I was raised, you know, from the time I was a freshman in college. It, well, even, even before that, cause you know, we had moved around a lot as a kid. So I had to get in, you know, get into all these different five schools before I graduated from high school. So it was like, yeah, I'm a tall geeky nerd. So, <laughs> you know, I, I had to learn how to communicate and survive <laughs> in a, a variety of different schools. But, <clears throat> But it was, um, you know, uh, when someone comes on and, and the, the, the people that I have, you know, go after with are the bullies, you know, whether it be, mm -hmm. you know, in on the playground or, you know, on Facebook or whatever. It's like, you know, chill, bud, you know, you know, uh, that kind of thing. And if you don't carry on a, 
um, a knowledgeable, um, helpful conversation, you're being blocked, period. You know, I'm not putting, subjecting anybody <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, that, you know, I learned, I finally learned this lesson. It took me a while, but I finally learned that arguing with people on social media gets you nowhere. I, I, yeah. if, if they have an opinion, you're not going to change it. No matter, you could pull up studies and post link the study. They don't care. Right. Um, but but it, uh, if it's your question or their debate that the, the reasonable people can learn something from mm -hmm. that topic, even though that person is putting it forth in a very adversarial way, <clears throat> I will try to like, well, um, help the people like, well, they, they might agree with that question. They don't. They just don't agree with, you know, what's being tied to it. So I try mm -hmm. to ask, answer the questions as knowledgeable as I can, and then. Um, but in, if the person just comes back with, you know, attacks, it's like, okay, black now, you know. It's one of my favorite pastimes, though, is going back and like reading the old forms, all the arguments about stuff. People were so passionate about it, and it's because we didn't know, but, like, ah. Uh, some of those, some of those make good reads. Yeah. <laughs> Every, you know, you got to be open to learn everything, you know, whether it's husbandry or whether it's, you know, in, in my professional life, when it comes to, you know, nuisance wildlife and conservation, I mean, like things change, information changes, stuff is, we thought was correct, isn't correct. And, but man, I mean, it's like once people get, it's almost like indoctrination. I mean, I'll tell you the one that kills me the most, and I've dealt with it my entire life is you, you, you can argue with people down here until you're blue in the face about cottonmouths not chasing people. They will tell you that a cottonmouth will chase you. They will tell you that their uncle, brother's cousin's nephew died while boating because he fell into a nesting ball of cottonmouths in a lake that doesn't even exist. I mean, like you, you will hear some absurd stories. I had a guy, he wrote, a cottonmouth chased his bass boat for a mile and a half down a river. I mean... And you, no. you can present to them all this, you know, and I'm just like, I have so many thousands of videos of cottonmouths in my line of work of me walking up on them in, in thigh deep water and they go away every time. I'm like, I just must find the defective ones. Like I haven't found a single one, that, you know, and it's just that, that kind of stuff. Like I said, once they've got that idea in their head or they've heard that story enough, I mean, hmm. it's just game over. Well, and then you're talking about conservation. Like when you try to, well, we need to cull these deer because they're going to get diseased. You can't kill the deer. Oh my yeah. God. They, it's, it's just, it's about emotion at that point. It's, yeah. you know, and I get that too. Uh, we have to do uh, the most controversial thing we get to do is uh, Canada geese. People oh. get real attached to Canada geese down here, even though they don't go back to Canada anymore. They just stay here and breed and poop on everything. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you'll have a two acre pond that has 300 dang geese in it and the water's going toxic. They're killing all. I mean, it's, it's awful. And so we have to go in and remove the geese. And people are like, well, I don't understand why you have to do that. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do with them? I'm like, you, you, you can't take them to Alaska. They have a homing instinct, the gift of flight. They'll beat you back home. I mean, what's your, what's your plan here? You want them on your property? You have a lake? You want to clip their wings and keep them there? By all means. Oh, I don't want them. Okay, well, then shut up. Like, if you don't wow. have a solution. Yeah, and, and <laughs> like I always said, you know, they, they can go in, you know, when you have an overpopulation like that and they are destroying, you know, this habitat or that, um, they, they can be killed humanely. And we do have homeless populations and the poor that can have a goose, you know, that see Alabama won't let us do that. And it drives me crazy. Really? Yep. Can't do it. Wow. Somehow for a little while, farmers were able to bring deprivation deer 
um, when they had to get a depredation permit because deer were, were eating their corn or, or whatever. Um, they were able to do it, but we can't. We have to dispose of them. We're not allowed to. Hmm. I don't know if it's because of our nuisance licensing. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it that is a big no-no. Or, you know, they, they maybe have to be tested for disease and all that sort of stuff, and you don't yeah. want that, that chain of uh, instances to make that possible. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, we, we are – that's strictly verboten. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Alabama's weird. <laughs> I, I was it in uh, Montgomery. It's the worst, though. You guys no. aren't Mississippi. <laughs> that's what that's that's whatever you I, mean, I don't know i've never been to any of them so yeah no i got I, I like alabama georgia well, georgia's all right but mississippi is fine uh i don't like louisiana very much i like to skip louisiana and go straight to texas ah uh, fair enough so when you do a nuisance call for like a gator or even a snake do you just remove and relocate or is your state laws what are your guys' state laws in Alabama? So we're not allowed to touch alligators or black bear. Um, okay. That is Department of Wildlife, so that's 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 game wardens only. Um, there is a hunting season in Alabama for alligators, um, but bears, black bears are just starting to migrate back down into the southern parts of the state. Um, so they are very, very, very protected. Um, you will go under a jail if you touch a black bear. Um <laughs> But uh, as far as snake stuff, yeah, we can relocate the snakes. Um, Alabama recently outlawed the possession of eastern diamondbacks. You used to be able to own any venomous snake. You could keep it as long as it was native to the state, and they just, I think it was last year maybe, uh, outlawed. You can't keep them anymore unless it's like a, a zoo situation or an environmental center where you have for education purposes. But, um, uh, but you can relocate those. They still allow that. Um, okay. So... Uh, the coolest encounter I ever had actually was a, a black pine snake. I don't know if y'all know what those are. Yep. I, I would love to keep them. They're in pits. Okay. Well, they're, <laughs> they're, um, they're endangered down here, like critically. Um, they're even protected federally, not even just at the state level down oh, here. Um, yeah. And uh, I ran across one in the middle of a neighborhood. It was sitting in the road I, driving up on it. I thought it was a fat black racer because I've never seen a black you know and uh i pull up and i stop because i'm going to get out get the snake out of the road regardless and i realize what it is and um so i was like oh well this is awkward what do i do with you um so i grabbed him put him in a catch bag put him in the passenger seat of my truck in the air conditioning so it wouldn't cook um and then i called my boss the guy that owns the company i work for is a registered wildlife biologist and forester and uh so he calls department of wildlife and they freak out and I get a phone call from like the state office about it. And they're like, where are you at? I'm like sitting in the neighborhood. I found the snake. You know, it's endangered, right? Yeah. That's why I called you. I'm like, well, you know, you can't do that. I know. What do you want me to do with it? You want me to let it go? I'll let it go. No, don't do that. I was like, okay, well, um, you know, and he's just the, the guy on the phone is just losing his mind. And I'm like, I know what this is. I just, why we called you. Like, I, you know, so eventually I was told to take it to some state biologists and it got relocated to a, uh, a, uh, a preservation colony where they're trying to get them to breed, um, mm -hmm. which is great um, out in some piece of land that no one knows where it is because it's so heavily secreted, I guess. But mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, but that was funny. That was, that was the coolest thing I've ever come across. But I mean, that wasn't even, I just did that. That wasn't like a, we're, we're a private company. So we charge for our services. That was just, I saw this, I knew I had to get it. And that occupied about three hours of my day that you know, <laughs> yeah, it, made yeah. the, 
made the day day go by faster. Yeah, yeah. I, I've encountered some of those where, well, well, you can't do that. I'm like, well, I I know this is an odd situation because this blue and rusty king snake is not endemic to here, and you know it, you know it got run over, and you know it, it's dead. But you know, I um, what herpetology report would you like where do i file it are you sure it's dead here's a picture of it it's yeah dead. you know yeah. but it's it, you know, it was in the middle of a national park and we you know we left it there you know um but it's you know i i thought you know i said i i know they these aren't supposed to be here so um you know so whenever joe and I, you know joe and i are out in the national or state parks every weekend um and so um so now we've been enlisted, like, well, go look at our list on the heritage species list and document everything that you see nice. that's, that's on that list. I'm like, oh, my God. I go, well, the insects, you know, I mean, you know, when I see this iridescent blue beetle in our yard, now that we've got, let our yard go wild and we're mm. seeing all these pollinators and, and, and stuff show up that I've never seen before. You know, we're taking pictures of them and then going, identifying them, going to the list like, oh, yeah, it's on the list. It's on the rare and, you know, whatever list. So we're collecting all that. So I, I'm learning a lot. And, you know, here I'm a retired biologist, but I think I'm doing more field work now <laughs> yeah. than I did, um, you know, stuck behind a desk or a lab, you know. That's and, awesome. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy the field work better than the office work. And the paperwork. Yeah. Paperwork's yeah. awful. <laughs> Yeah, although, you know, just in these rescues, matter of fact, I got to get my paperwork in before this month is up on uh, my scientific collector's permit. Uh, and if I find any more eggs on the road, you know, because that, that, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be in possession of wildlife eggs, you know, and this kind of thing. You know, I have to docu document it now with pictures and GPS and, and then, um, you know, then when they've hatched, and now I have to release them with a biologist present that we're going to film for public relations, fun stuff, stories. And nice. So, yeah, I still have to do paperwork, but it's not as, you know, especially the federal paperwork that, <laughs> it's we, not we, we have to fill out paperwork for, we service two states. So we have to fill out paperwork for two states. Wow. Yeah. And that's, so on everything, that's gotta we, get confusing. everything, everything we remove, it has to be documented. Wow. And then turned over to the state for their statistical compilation, whatever. I don't know what they do with it. It probably gets stuck in a filing cabinet and forgotten about. But. Probably. So how often do you come across a listed species? It's very rare for me. Um, I mean, the, the black pine is really about the epitome of it for us. I mean, we, we occasionally have to do like, a, you know, a sharp shin or a Cooper's hawk will chase a pigeon into a warehouse and can't figure out how to get back out. So we, you know, go in with nets and try to snatch the hawk and get it outside, um, you know, before it hurts itself. Um, you know, uh, occasionally able to do that release immediately right then. And there. Yeah. 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 We can take them out and release them. Um, and then if they're injured, we can call a, a, a rehabber and take them to a rehabber. Um, but if they're healthy, we have to let it go right there. Um, bats are actually surprisingly the same way. They're photoprotected. If you have a bat in your kitchen and you call me and I come catch the bat, I have to walk out your front door and let it go. Like that's mm -hmm. all I can do with it. Hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, we have, we have a lot of run-ins with, uh, the, the, uh, it's a stupid thing called the uh, Perdido beach mouse. Um, 
they didn't care about it when they when they bulldozed all the sand dunes and put up condos, but now suddenly it's like the most important little critter on the planet, and uh, it inhibits our ability to service our customers that are having rodent issues that are within beach mouse territories. Um, we have to be very careful about how we employ traps or anything, any other control methods, because we have to make sure that we're not going to accidentally hurt a beach mouse, even though there's probably not one there. Wow. <laughs> and they get very, very upset if you don't abide by their, their guidelines. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of like our, um, uh, oh, the, the turtle that is, it's on the list, um, the Blandings turtle. Mm -hmm. um, I think the last time it's been officially reported was back in the 50s or 60s. But yet, this one guy who does um, surveying of other species goes, I, I see them down near Yankton a number of times. I go, well, they want to declare that it's no longer, that it's extinct in the state because nobody's reported it for so long. And then, um, so then I go, well, you know, call Pierre because if, you know, if you're seeing them, you know, because I had talked to Pierre, like, I, you know, if they want me to do an aquatic um, turtle rescue um you know uh I'd, I'd love to do the blandings to get it back into its mm -hmm. native habitat but the um the large agricultural corporations which have bought out a lot of the family farms don't want the blandings turtle back because then they won't they're because they want to drain all the marshes yep. to maximize the acreage for the agriculture and so they don't want the species there and See, you know which is sad you know number one that we lost family farms and then number two that you know they're they're wrecking they're draining a lot of our prairie potholes which hurts migratory species and yep. native hurts populations ducks and geese too right i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh and south dakota um uh i found out has lost more of its prairie potholes um for the migratory species um, greater than any other state. That's my buddy who just said the chase, the <laughs> someone chases dog. He's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, that was funny. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear something, I, I do want to say something controversial while we're on the go back to the beach mouse. Let's Here's do the it. Reason, I'm, I'll, I'll get it. I'm going to, I'm going to say something that it, it Makes a lot of people angry. Uh, so for some reason, I'm not allowed to put traps down and do all this other stuff because I might hurt the beach mouse. But it is 100% legal to have an outdoor cat, and it is 100% legal to have a TNR feral cat colony. Wow. So they can have those all around there, and nobody says a word. But if I put a rat trap in the wrong place, I will have the state yelling at us. I'll get a phone call from the state biologist. Yeah, so, oh, man. I find that absurd. Yeah, well, see here. <laughs> it is. Coast. We don't have that big of a cat issue up here, though. No. I've been to I've been to Missouri, and and there was like eighteen running around that neighborhood, and they just come up to you when you get out of your car, and like but like cats just live parks. on the streets there. Yeah. We like, have coyotes like, to keep that at bay. I mean. Oh, the cat <laughs> people call you about the coyotes. We got a phone call that. Uh, this person had a feral cat colony in an abandoned house in a very populated neighborhood that uh, had 114 cats and the coyotes moved into the wooded areas of this neighborhood and he was down to 11. So they wanted us to come kill the coyotes because the coyotes were killing the cats. And I'm like, 
No, man, that's nature. Like that's a native predator taking out an invasive predator. Oh, mm -mm, no, that coyote's doing the Lord's work. We'll leave him there. <laughs> oh. oh, and we we had. Um, I'm not against cats, mind right. you, but I'm I am against outdoor, outdoor cats, cats. And I will die on that hill. That's what. That's the hill I'll die on too. I have but. two cat babies, but I also um, they're both um, injured. They can't. You know, they're they're rescue kitties. They can't make it out of our six foot deer fence. Mm -hmm. And and then we don't feed the birds in our yard because in case they can one day jump up and get a bird. You know, so I'm really careful um, about that. The cats that try to establish themselves in our barn, it, they don't last there long because the great horned owls and the coyotes just take them, you know, yeah. and before we can catch them. And but we, we do have a really good program here in the Black Hills. It's West River Spay and Neuter. Um, they will spay a stray cat that shows up at your place for $5 so that these cat colonies don't proliferate. And, you know, that's what, um, we use to, uh, you know, you know, if cats show up at, at our barn, well, they do that down here. It's called TNR. Oh, go, go ahead. It. Good well, I was going to say, it. It, it doesn't actually decrease the cat colonies because other people who aren't spaying and neutering their cats just dump their kittens into that cat colony. So it's just a perpetuating problem. So, okay. So we're going to dive down into this controversial subject because... Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I listened to a podcast with Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe's podcast. Uh -huh. He had on a lady somewhere in Texas where she goes out... And she just collects cats and she spays and neuters them. And then she lets them go. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so, so this, we don't have a cat problem up here. So it's not anything we can even relate to because there's not just hundreds of cats crawling the cities. Um, but I feel like then releasing the cats isn't really helping the problem. I mean, you, you, it depends you, on how hopefully, but at yeah. the end, you're going to decrease the population, but you're still causing the harm to the native environment. So I don't well, know and... how I feel about that. How do you guys feel about that? Because I listened to that episode and I, I don't know how I feel. So I, I don't think it works. Like I said, uh, maybe you're okay. A couple of problems I have with it. One down here, it's called tip neuter and release. What they do is they cut the tip off the cat's ear. So, you know, it's a TNR cat. Okay. So, you know, it's already been neutered or spayed. Um, like I said, the problem is that it, it attracts more cats to that area. Not all those cats are going to be able to be caught. Some cats just don't go in traps. Um, and then, like I said, then other people just drop cats that haven't been spayed or neutered off in that location. My secondary problem with it is, it's not as kind to the cats as people think it is because those cats are now outside. They're now exposed to the elements or exposed to dogs or exposed to disease. Cause once you catch a cat once in a trap, unless it's an exceptionally dumb one, you're not catching it again. So it's not like you can re up right. it's FIV, you know, vaccine, and you can give it a rabies shot every year, any of that kind of stuff. And so their lifespan is decreased. A lot of them wind up with mange. I mean, it's not, it's just really, you know, the kindest thing in my opinion would be to, if you catch them, just, just euthanize it. I mean, there's no reason to leave this animal to suffer for two years, three years on the street and then die anyway. Yeah. Right. Isn't well, that going to be like starvation? And like at the end of the day, oh, even if you compare your crusted geckos or your, your boas or my pythons or my pituophis 
the life they live in a box in captivity is going right. to be far better than any life they're living out in the wild because they right. have to fight for it. Sorry, Peggy, add on to this topic. Okay. <laughs> what we When we've had cats show up at our barn, I and, and we do want, well, you know, like two up there, you know, because they keep the chipmunks from coming in and destroying things that we have um, <laughs> uh, stored in the barn. And, and so, uh, I mean, they, they can wreck my art supplies. They can do, they can wreck my sculpture molds, you know, the chipmunks. And so the cats just keep the chipmunks away. The trouble is the coyotes and the owls take the cats, you know, and so now we don't have any cats up at the barn because the predators have removed them. And so mm. now we're having the chipmunks move in. And so like, okay, now we have a chipmunk problem. And I said, well, let's get a bull snake <laughs> because they know how to stay away from, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the owls and the, and the uh, coyotes better than these cats do. And so we're thinking about wanting to find a bull snake to put there. And, what you uh, need to do is you need to adopt a coyote. <laughs> Well, the, the coyote can't get in where these chipmunks are getting in, but the snakes can. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying coyotes are, are wreak havoc on some ground-dwelling rodents, um, yeah. and, given the and, opportunity to do so. Yeah, and, and one of um, one snake that uh, a friend of mine had when we were, oh, in sixth grade, you know, we called her Sonia. She was like this six-foot bull snake, the biggest bull snake either of us had ever had. And and I, I said, that's what I need, because that, you know, that will really... Yeah. You know, take care of you know any rodents up there and it's a natural a natural predator going after these wild rodents and so yeah. that's what we're thinking about doing because i mean our the coyotes here are just you know we get we get cougars and bobcats and raccoons and i mean um that's why uh, on any of my outdoor things i have to have them predator proof especially yeah you know, you know yeah. we do down, down here too we have a lot of raccoons yeah and so um you know one of my neighbors uh, and here, though, in South Dakota, they have a program, a predator-proof program that it's a bounty on raccoons and these others. And uh, so we're, we're having that go on. Is it <laughs> so, they just overpopulated or have it? Did... You know, I, I don't see that they're overpopulated. Um, where, they, where they really wanted to get rid of the predators was in the pheasant nesting, you know, in East River more so. Mm -hmm. But they... They've welcomed the, the anti-predator programs throughout the state. And and then, you know, and so then they remove the predators and then the rodent population just, I mean, I, we're just seeing that here. We're not seeing the coyotes that we used to see. Um, and now our, our rodent population is exploding. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and a lot of biologists have really been complaining about the program. It's so arbitrary. And yeah. uh, they're, they're not following a census to realize that, okay, we have too many coyotes. They're killing the pronghorn um, uh, um, and, uh, you know, and, and deer fawns. Uh, let's take the coyote population down because, you know, we're finding this imbalance. It's just, let's just kill them because why not? <laughs> we get that attitude down here too. If it preys on something that I want to hunt, I'm going to kill that thing. That's yeah. the... That's the attitude. Every right. raccoon, opossum, red fox, gray fox, coyote, it's all got to go because it, there's a chance it might eat a turkey poult that I might want to shoot in four years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm, yeah, so now we're at this issue of, 
you know, what, what are we going to do for our barn? And, you know, I just go, snakes. <laughs> Let's get some snakes. That's what I do. Yeah. So that's I, what. That's every what single person in my area that posted, like, we don't have bull snakes down here, but our equivalent would be like the, the gray rat snakes or corn snakes. And uh, I just be like, oh, you need that room? Yeah, I'll go get it for free. I'm just going to put it in my barn. And I just start <laughs> stockpiling my barn with rat snakes until a couple of them decided to stay. Heck cool. yeah. That would be my plan. Yeah. Well, you got the black pines. You could stock the black pines. <laughs> I don't want those on my property because then they'd probably come and tell me I have to move. You know, they'd be like, right. oh, you can't no. live here anymore. Now you're done. This is this is this is government property now. So yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the bush puppy would handle it. That wasn't me. That's Peggy. That's me that did that. I don't yeah. know. Peggy's to... learning how to control the stream over here. <laughs> okay. I just nice. Think. It said new new comments, and I wasn't able to see the new comments. So I go, well, show the new comments, and then it popped up over here. I did send one in the private chat. That might I saw be that. The, no. Yeah, oh. like when I left, just oh. that I'd be back. <laughs> oh. Anyway, <laughs> um, so what what are you? Uh, I know that you guys are just getting started breeding and your stuff is coming up to age but what's what's coming up you got the crested geckos paired which is very interesting mm -hmm. we got um, one pair um he's uh see i don't know the, the crested gecko genetics confuse me because it's polygenic and then i come to find out that a lot of these morphs they're not morphs they're just line bred characteristics with you know, like tricolor is not a true, it's not a, what I consider, I come from like the boa world. So, you know, my, it's not a, it's just a gecko that has three different colors on it. And then people breed these geckos to make it so that when you breed a, a pair together, you get a lot more of these geckos instead of, you know, random colors that you don't want. It's a lot of line. That's not true. Even true line breeding. It's a lot of selective breeding. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, I think they're phantoms. So they're both reverse pinstripes and they're blush throats. I don't know what that means, but their genetics match. So we're putting them together to see what the heck happens. Um, the boas I've actually done research on. So those pairings are actually planned. Um, so, <laughs> all right. What you hang on? What, what dwarf species, what island locality, I guess, because it's not dwarf species. What island localities yeah. of boas are you working with here? So we've got three boas that have a lot of uh, Nicaraguan blood in them. Um, one of ours is a full female Nicaraguan, but she's just a bow. Sorry. Dogs decided they were going to play it directly behind me. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a long and... podcast. There's bound to be, bound yeah. to be stuff happening. Uh, I got a baby like... crying back there. I'm oh, just trying to worse. keep talking over it. Uh, yeah, don't well... hear Don't hear her. So, uh, then we have, um, leopard jeans, which are from, uh, the Sonoran line. So those are, those are, that's a true dwarf locale. Now, how much of that's actually leopard? I don't know because the two boas we've got, they're hypo and then they're het for leopard. And then they're also um, possibly het for cal albinism and uh, anery type one. Okay. Um, we'll see if those other two genes prove out. If they do, it'd be a really cool snake. We could get some uh, leopard moon glows, which would be so, sweet. So you're working well, with more like Central American boas. Central, yeah. Not, yeah. not specifically like Pearl Island or Hog Island. Like We haven't gotten that far feet. yet. I'd love to get some Tarahumara mountain boas. I love those things so much. I think they're really cool looking. Um, we we haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. Awesome. So now on your genetics that you have espoused in having, is it um, you, you know this because um, 
it's it's showing that genetics um or or, or you've had a I, I noticed that you guys in the snake world you do a lot of genetics testing and 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 can find out exactly what het genes are there um if they are um recessive you know mm -hmm. the, these blood tests do show that it, it is there if you're going to spend x amount of thousands of dollars on a particular line so are are you doing that type of it's not available for boas yet um, um it's available for a lot of colubrids and then they're starting to do a lot of the testing in ball pythons but um uh, what's the company doing that i can't remember but uh, I, I can tell you ben morell I yeah. can give you the guy's name. Yeah. I cannot it, give you his company. Uh, um, only reason I know this so, is I watched a snake discovery video where she went and interviewed him and he said something about the way that BOA DNA is. It's harder to read the genetic. I don't know. I'm not hmm. that smart. I'm not that level. They um, do pull he, it out of a shed, not out of blood. Yes. Correct. It's out of a shed. Just mm -hmm. the shed skin, Peggy. Yep. Oh, okay. See, I learned something new. <laughs> so in the boa world you have to basically trust the breeder okay. um some stuff is if it's a visual of a recessive so like say you know albino obviously that snake's albino um some of the codoms are, are like jungle and hypo and motley some of those are easier to see than others i personally have a hard time um recognizing jungle um but uh it means like i said when it comes to the hets you just kind of if you ask the breeder to send you pictures of the parents or if you like, luckily a lot of our snakes came from somebody we know and trust. So, um, and, uh, so we, you know, we trust that he gave us what he said he gave us. <laughs> um, but you know, like, how do you know if a snake's head albino, you have no way to know. You can't tell it has no outward markings. Um, people say that if it's het for the blood gene, um, that the snake will be more red. I don't know if that's true. They say snakes that are het for the leopard gene will have more spots than normal. I don't they, know if that's true. They say snakes that are het for pied tend to be missing some color somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, See, I don't know if that's so, true. And, and we don't know if that's actually a truth. But well, there should, technically, technically, there should be some sort of marker, even for a recessive. Vin is Russo... What, by the way, I understand after listening for, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I used to be a uh, horse breeder and studied the equine color genetics. And, you know, if, if it's got a recessive gene, you do not see it at all. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, you know, it, it's, um, yeah. I wonder how similar, like, the horse genetics are to snake genetics. Because, like, I've been breeding the rats, and this is where I can talk about genetics. Because I took two rats, and I have gotten them to F3 at this point. So I, I have know what's all in there. I have had numerous colors pop out. It's wonderful. Um, and magic, actually. I'm glad I'm making babies. That's what I want to do. I want to make babies. Um, <laughs> I've never said that. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I got three kids. You got zero. Pets. I was about to say, you've got three. You're a proven breeder. You're good. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I just want to make babies. So <laughs> anyway, in, in like in rat genetics it's different than than how we describe snake genetics as well because there's more actual dominance and what we perceive in the snake world as co-dominant isn't technically co-dominant either yeah, no nope. <laughs> i mean we can call we can call dr wyman back on if you want <laughs> yeah. Pegs. 
actually, if we're going to dive deep into gen- if we're going to dive deep into genetics, we might as well. But uh, yeah, what we call codominant isn't quite the same. And I think rats are more similar to the horses, i.e., like yeah, I, I can would... pop out a, a, a black and a brown rat, and those are both dominant genes. So. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like if you breed two mutts together, if you don't know what they're, you know, two street, you, you, you found two puppies on the side of the road and you grow them up and you bred them together and you could have some that look like Chihuahuas and some that look like Great Danes. Like you have, right. no, and you might get that out of the same litter. I mean, you know, right. cause it just depends on what genes line up. Um, and that's kind of how I feel when it comes to the gecko stuff is it's all these, you know, I was listening to a podcast on gargoyle geckos the other day and the guy was talking about, trying to breed for red, red line gargoyles and how, you know, you might have a red line male and a red line female and breed them together. And then you get a bunch of spots and not a single line anywhere. And I'm like, how does that work? <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of that same deal. Like she's saying with the horses, you just, mm-hmm. you don't know. And so that's where the lineages come from in the gecko world. That's why you see like on a gecko podcast where they're talking about, you know, well, this, this is snowflakes, great, great, great grandson or something. Cause like snowflake was this, awesome gecko that produced a ton of like white babies like with reliability and no other, you know, crazy polygenics thrown in there. And, uh, but when you're new to the gecko world, like we are, and we're trying to learn and you listen to these old school gecko people and they're talking about genetics in the terms of lineage, you're just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and, and I was talking to, um, a guy in the turtle world that's done a lot of breeding just today. And, you know, he wanted, um, to send a male to breed to my, fe- she's female still, um, she, you know, um, I have another, um, well, anyway, he wanted to send a male and I said, well, she's too small and I, I, I don't want to breed her to an albino male. I want to breed her to a clown. And I know that the way I've been understanding this clown gene is my Western painted clown may have the mutation, um, on just say gene a. And if I find a particular Eastern painted clown, his, his mutation or limitation of the color expression may be on a different gene site. So it's almost like I'm dealing with two recessives that if I put them together, I'll still get nothing but hits because I'm not dealing with the same gene site. You know, I'm not putting together two recessive genes on the same gene site. So they, they won't, um, act as if you know yeah they're non-allelic or allelic um there's a there's a genetic combination in the boa world and i'm gonna get it wrong but i think it's called a paradigm boa and it's boa woman caramel albinism and some other kind of albinism i can't remember but they're allelic albinos and when you put them together even though they're two separate genes it makes an albino boa that looks different than either of those if you just have the double recessives Um, but they're playing with that, which is they found allelic albinos or non-allelic that work together to create a morph. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what I candy, candy and ball pythons. Isn't that similar? I think so. I I'll, I'll say, I think so. I never got into ball. I never got into ball pythons. And when I tried to understand ball python genetics and they're talking like, it's a gravel road, ice cream cone, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> See, I, I got in right at that, like, before Scalus had, before Brian Barchek got Scalus oh. had. Like, but. Yeah. 
so I got in like right at that early time. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't super early, but it was that 2008 to 2014. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where scaleless just became a thing. And then the scaleless ball Python was, could be a thing. And yeah, I don't know. I've got a scaleless corn snake, and I think my corn snakes are gonna go because I'm just not into them. Scaleless ball python gene didn't it have some kind of fatal problem? I don't know. I can't remember. They they didn't know how to keep them alive. That's yeah. Well, oh, okay, okay. They couldn't keep them alive. Okay, and they figured it out. They've got it now. But okay, I'm sure that there was some sort of non-humidity issue or. You know, I mean, I an animal know. designed to have scales seems like taking away the scales would definitely be a problem. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about yeah, my that's own how corn I snake. About it. Yeah. yeah, so I've, I've just now, I've now already, <laughs> we've just ticked I, off a bunch of scaleless breeders. <laughs> the the scaleless thing is so highly debated too, because like you said, an animal with scales should have them. But like, I've well, always like wanted that, so I got my scaleless corn snake. Unfortunately, I got a scaleless corn snake, and I don't think I'm the biggest corn snake fan. Yeah. Um let we'll see when they get a little bigger. I'm going to give it more time, but the I'm only just... I mean if it's if it's if it's able to stay alive and and it and able to be healthy in captivity and do all normal ball python or corn snake stuff, I mean that's fine. I think my only problem would be if they started getting this if if you have a scaleless and it goes all the way to where it doesn't have belly scales, I I don't know how they'd locomote at that point. Yeah. And, that's and I, the ball python and they still locomote. Hmm. So I don't like oh, that's the corn. Weird. The corn snake, like I can grab it, but my corn snake. Yeah, I've my, seen corn snakes. It, it's got the scales them. on the bottom, mm-hmm. but not on the not on the mm-hmm. body. Yeah. So interesting. But I mean, you know, it's ball pythons. You know, everybody had that fit about the spider gene a while back, and um, in boas, the equivalent gene is scoria. Um, okay. It, it causes wobble, and the super form is terrible. Like, don't do it. Um, like uh, jags and carpets. I'm a carpet mm-hmm. guy. I don't. I oh, I haven't. I like carpets. I haven't announced it, but I did pick up six snakes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I picked up six snakes from Jacob Bratz. I have got me two San Diego gopher snakes. Both cool. Snakes. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah. One's a triple head. The other's full visual on the triple. Cool. So I like the normal look, but send me picks. Yeah, I will. Um, and then I picked up four IJs. Um, what are they? Erian Jaya's Poplin carpets. Mm-hmm. Um, the northern most reach of the carpet python range. So do you have a preference as far as like coastal darn I, carpets? I have never. Here's I've never. I've never. I've never dealt with them, so I can't huh. say. I I have always just dreamed of them. Actually, my mic, every time I record, sits on the more complete carpet python because it's thick enough to raise my mic up high enough. I have the more complete boa. So, so I love carpet pythons. My daughter's name is Morelia. Like, oh, this is awesome. how much I love carpet pythons. I've <laughs> never owned awesome. one. I picked up my first four. Um, they're all well, congrats, man. They're all uh, that's a cool name. They're all about 2019. I 
if um, I'm remembering correctly. So they'll be ready to go, not this coming season, but next season. Um, And they're all F1 or wild caught, Mm -hmm. which is... mm, mm, I love the F1 thing. I love the... (laughs) oh, let's breed genetics to genetics and see what comes, and I'm not even looking for anything super special. Let's just... Yeah. Like, this is F1 of my line on two animals. So well, my... one was rep- one was produced by Riley Jimmonson. Okay, um, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's on YouTube. Uh, the other was produced by Jake. One was Wild Caught. I don't know. I can't remember. I'd have to look where the other one came from. But they're pretty much, it's pretty much Jake's original F1 group that he had. Jake of? Jake Bratz. THN. Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay. He had THN. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I picked up, picked those up from him. So That's I'm awesome, going to go, I'm going to go visit him when we go down to North Carolina. <laughs> We're going to end down in Beaufort meet the thn guys um you gonna have meet, a cigar i'm gonna i'm gonna have a cigar there you i've go. only had like three in my life so i hope you smitty, can't go hang out with smitty, smitty without if, having a cigar smitty if you're hitting if you're listening to this you better be bringing a cigar because i will smoke i've got no problem smoking um no, no. anyway <laughs> my older brother died of lung cancer so i just like don't do it you know it's i used to smoke to cigarettes i don't anymore i vape so yeah, well you're it, still getting metal in your lungs i'm still getting something in my lungs but i feel better than i did when i smoked cigarettes yeah so yeah it, that's, it's horrible that's all that matters it's horrible watching somebody drown in their own blood so yeah, yeah. yeah. don't do it <laughs> that's not child friendly peggy <laughs> hey, it is child friendly. from taking that first cigarette in fifth grade <laughs> uh, well yeah no don't do that don't smoke don't vape it's all bad i do it live i shouldn't even vape live on camera i should kick myself off the stream every time i hit my vape but guess what sorry at least see, i'm so not you, smoking you, cigarettes you got your carpets and i finally got i finally got a water monitor i've wanted one since i was like 14 see so, i mean but i'd go for a water the beauty monitor. of being an adult <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you gave me the choice between a monitor like a water monitor like that or like a like a Cayman, like a small, small Cayman. Yeah, I'd, I I'd take dwarf. the Cayman. I'd take the dwarf Cayman. I want a Cayman. I just don't, I'm not committing to that. That's oh. too much. Uh, see, if you're, but you're already so committed with the damn water monitor. <laughs> yeah, but that's a, no. I'm not, like, building, that's a, a, I'm not building a 12 foot pond in my backyard. But um, it's only going to use the pond. That's true. <laughs> it, um, I mean, it does need a spot to come out and bask. Let's get real. But it's only going to use the pond. And but I mean, the good you, thing is, if you train it good enough, you can go just swim in the pond with it, and it can be like stuff. a, oh, it makes be like crawl. a swimming pond. Oh man, I, I get nervous enough with the monitor lizards, and you know, like, and I, I, I've worked around animals too much, and no matter how much you know something, when an animal's that big, I mean, like, I watch these guys on Instagram swimming with their alligators, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome, but man, it just takes one time, right? And, no, it and, does, it does. You're right. Uh, and that's like I'm gonna make people mad again. Right. The uh, the free handling the venomous stuff again. It's like yep. I I don't care. I don't personally have an opinion on it. If you want to do you, do you. But I mean, I'm just like man. If, if all it takes is one bad day. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. 
here's where I stand on that. Here's, I'm too cautious. Here, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm too cautious because you know a horse, you know that just that loves you and comes running and bucking and wanting to and play and buck and kick and then the the hoof comes like this close to your head that he could have mm-hmm. killed you because he's joyous and you know and you know even though and you've trained him that's, you don't run up to me and you don't do get in my space and all this stuff when when they are having their their buck romping around you know it's, horses it's, with the zoomies are terrifying <laughs> exactly. horses scare me in general oh, my sister horses. looked at me the other day and was like i want horses i'm like i would rather work with a black mamba than a horse <laughs> and I, here's I, why <laughs> I, sold, I sold on my horses i just got like no they're just a lot of work a lot of expense and and dangerous it's not like if you're going to fall off it's when and how bad is that fall going to be it's not yeah. if that thing's going to kick you it's when it's going to kick you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's and and i guess you can say the same about a venomous snake but if you had a black mamba and you had the right cage you're never going to even interact with that snake painted turtles <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah painted turtles are great peggy yeah. i do not have one but I have been, even though we can, like I said, I can only have native venomous here in Alabama, but I have been, ver- I, it is, I'm not allowed no hots in the house. I've been, I've been informed. So <laughs> I can't even have a little baby cotton mouth. It's just not allowed. Oh man. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't need one. Yeah. No. I've thought I play about... with them enough at work. I don't, I don't need any at home. Yeah. I've thought about doing like a, like a venomous, more like a zoo type thing. Ew. Um, <laughs> where you can come in there's venomous there but then the zoo does outreach as well to where the venomous don't go when you do an educational program but i don't know i would like to work with venomous i have done some talks at a um we have a school here called animal school of math and science and i've done some talks for their field biology camp um a couple of times and uh i've actually taken cottonmouth and a uh and an Eastern Diamondback to do that talk in that lab, but I had them envision cages with locks, and you know they weren't getting they were they were secure. <laughs> um, I would but, never uh, never want to do it. But. I mean, they make they make snake hooks and stuff for a reason. As long as you use your tools properly, and and you you know you don't get overconfident, um, you know know your limits. Um, but yeah, I mean, venomous stuff is not for. Uh, uh, and I'm not not for any any beginner anybody who doesn't know what they're doing like you definitely need to get some time and some hands-on and know what you're doing know how to read the body language of snakes and i mean uh who is it is uh who's the other guy not not uh not smitty the other gentleman that's on snakes phil? we phil. phil on about okay, well, on he, a venomous episode okay well he he said the best the best venomous snake is someone else's yeah 100 <laughs> percent yeah, hundred percent. The best uh, one remember, to learn yeah. on is someone. Yeah, else's. he said he's the best. The best bit of a snake is, is someone else's. I was like, that is the, that is that is very intelligent. Yeah, I, yeah. Like don't, don't, I, I don't move them off the road so they don't get run over, and then it's like kiss them goodbye. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it, yeah. we just we just have the the rattlers here, and you know, and and you know, we we have a, a neighbors, immediate neighbors that are really definitely afraid of any kind of snake, so. We go over there and remove, you know, the the non venomous and yeah, and indoors, I don't feel comfortable enough with, you know, uh, to remove a, you know, I'd wait for Joel to come home to do it because he used to work at Reptile Gardens and 
you know, he's, he's comfortable with the hooks and the, and, and the periscoping, um, camera tripods <laughs> that reach out six feet. <laughs> uh, he, he's got a lot of snake venom on one of his favorite tripods. <laughs> Tongs.com, Peggy. Tongs.com. Yeah. I, I got very close to getting envenomated the closest I've ever come getting a cotton mouth out of the road. The whole Ooh. reason I was even interacting with it was to get it off the road. And, uh, oh, no. he, uh, he spun on me. He was a little juvenile. So he was the, the, the worst size, you know, that like one foot range where they're just whippy and crazy. And uh, he came right, right across here, and I left a red line in venom, but didn't break the skin. Whoa. Oh man! Yeah, I was very mad at him. I was like, "You ungrateful little jerk!" I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I'm saving your life, and you're gonna How respond long? by trying to kill me." How long was your hook? Uh, it was a, it was a four foot. The problem was I had to tail him to get him out of the road. He started doing. Oh. He started wiggling everywhere and flopping on the road, and I was trying to move him before you know anybody hit my truck or anybody ran me or him over. And so I, I tailed him and he was too, I just wasn't ready for it. And he spun and, you yeah. know, I wasn't fully focused. Yeah. So, so moments. let's, let's start with, well, let, let's coin that. You tailed <laughs> the snake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got close enough to touch it. Mm -hmm. That, that right there, if you do not want to get bit by a venomous <laughs> snake, period yeah if you just keep it far enough away to not bite you it's you're you're fine like yeah like if you've got a stick to keep it away you're fine it's not gonna i shouldn't have even tailed it it was too small of a cotton mouth uh, i right. just I... when you have to grab a snake that's struck a, a yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've got yeah. that story on here <laughs> what oh I, I i'll do it quickly um, one of my forest service, um, um, transect partners, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he, he got caught a snake reared up and he didn't even know it was there. Caught, uh, got snagged on his jeans right at about the oh my. knee. And he, this guy was afraid of garter snakes. And so, and, and, uh, we had to hold him still and I, nobody wanted to grab the snake off him. And so I, I, I never handled a snake before, but I, I knew how I watched enough milking videos. So I, I grabbed the snake's head that way and then mm -hmm. grabbed his body so it couldn't wrap on me. And then I tossed it, you know, just took it off his yeah. leg like that, that, and then tossed it. And then we, and I said, um, roll up your jeans. And before he rolled up his jeans, he pantsed himself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, check me over, check me over. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. And so, yeah, that's when I handled a venomous snake to, to basically keep it from getting that guy yeah, yeah. and that's the last time <laughs> that was first back, and last yeah, yeah was back in 1978 <laughs> so it's been a while so yeah so yeah, yeah. i yeah I, I don't like them and uh, <laughs> that, was, that was an experience that told me yeah never again. you don't like them but you think they should live so that's yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. i don't like bees but i don't go around killing them yeah, well, I, I think at the elevation that we're at, hopefully, you know, we're up. Well, you, up. not me. Yeah, yeah, I think we're <laughs> we're high enough to not have the rattle rattlers here, but who knows? Um, if I get the bull snakes, they usually keep away the they they, they mm. even have rattlers and yeah, so, yeah. That's why another reason why I want a, a bull snake. <laughs> uh, yeah, a catch. Well, when I when I make some, I'll just send them to you. Yeah, they're. They're ready to go. I'll just send them go. right out of the egg. 
Well, I'll make sure they eat once. But yeah, yeah. No, I want one. You know, it's five, four or five feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peggy, I, I really kind of wanted to talk about crested geckos. Yeah. And like how you won't go into that, but we're mm -hmm. we're like running out of time. And oh. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any more questions peggy because uh, i like questions you have you have any final final <laughs> questions i well i always have lizard questions because i've never had a lizard kept no we went we went into some controversial topics that we kind of <laughs> all agree on so yeah. that's fine we didn't talk about geckos but we talked about herpticulture that's yeah. what matters yes well and uh and, and i and i i need to go and explore you know your your lizard world there charlie and <laughs> I, I will say this about crested geckos they are i think the entire species shares two brain cells oh um, <laughs> they are adorable but they are apps they're some of the dumbest things i've ever ever had the pleasure of messing with they are hilarious i i've heard that i've heard a lot of people wonder how they're well they've almost been extirpated we brought them back but yeah yeah people wonder how they're like why we even brought them back because they're that dumb <laughs> okay well, give me a for instance because now i'm really intrigued so i have heard multiple stories and we had this problem actually with one of our geckos um if you upgrade them to too large of an enclosure they won't be able to find the food wow um, so it doesn't always happen, but it happens. And so you have to downsize like an adult animal from a, a you know, what yeah, we consider an adult enclosure, like an 18 by 18 by 24 exoterra, um, down to back down to like a 12 by 12 by 18. Like I've, because they can't find their food, they start losing weight. Um, we, we weight check all of ours every 10 days. So we, we put them all on a scale, get the gram weight, make sure that they're all maintaining, you know, a little bit of fluctuations fine, but. And that all the juveniles are going up and not down. Um, but yeah, you have to, we had one that for whatever reason, um, he jumped. I think he hit the floor weird. Um, they are jumpy as babies and you have to be very careful because they, they don't do well with long falls. Uh, we think he kind of knocked himself a little loopy and he started losing weight, got neurological. And um, so we had to isolate him, put him back in his tiny little baby bin and did a, basically a sauna soak. You can't put, you can, but it's risky to put a crested gecko in just a straight soak like you would like a ball python that's not shedding. Um, so you have to get like warm paper towels and just kind of let them uh, uh, steam. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we had to do that for about two weeks and and do some hand feeding and uh, bounce back. It's doing great now, but um, for about two weeks there, it was scary. In the wild, what's their habitat? I mean, that... New Caledonia, so islands somewhere. Um, but yeah, they they they're arboreal. They come to the ground, eat rotten fruit. Um, they eat insects. Um, and so in the wild, they have a large area that they encompass to eat. But in captivity, they. I'm don't. wondering if in the wild they live on like one tree, and at the night they go down to the bottom of the tree and eat the fallen fruit, or eat the fruit that's in the tree. Yeah. And I, I bet they live their whole life in just this little itty bitty spot. That's what some people think. I mean, that's I, what I. I, I mean, know. judging by what you've said, that's yeah. that's all I. Can They're not smart. I mean, like <laughs> at all. Well, but, and I've heard that so much, yeah. so much. I mean, they're very cute, 
and they're a lot of fun. And when you feed them at night after the lights are off in here and they're all awake and you go through and you dump crickets and all the enclosures, it, it just bang, bang, you're bouncing off of walls catching. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They look um, so cute. They, they, they look like a, um, a, a storybook, a child's storybook character. <laughs> yeah. With the little eyelashes, people call them yeah. eyelash geckos. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. I mean, I didn't think I'd like them. I thought I'd be like, these are the dumbest things ever, but uh, <laughs> they, uh, they grew on me. I've, I've become a fan. Um, That's why I haven't gotten them yet. <laughs> dude. And it's a problem because like, they're so easy to keep. I mean, well, they are so simple. See, I, I did leopard geckos. Mm -hmm. So they're easier like leopard, geckos. leopard geckos are easy too. Because like you can keep leopard geckos in a rack. You can breed mm. leopard geckos in a rack. But like your guys, like, I don't know. They sound even easier because it's just like you leave them there and you forget them once you get bioactive and all of that. Yeah, we, we run through, we give them the, the, we use Pangea. Uh, we give them the crested gecko diet. It's a powder diet that you rehydrate. It's fruit. It's got all the calcium D3, all that stuff in it. It's got bug protein in it. And you give that to them. And then we go through, we actually feed ours more insects than a lot of people do. Um, we feel like the fruit is, no matter where you are in the world, it's going to be seasonal. So they have to eat something the rest of the year. And we've noticed that with our babies, um, we fed them, we feed a lot of pinhead crickets when they're little and they eat that way more readily than they eat the Pangea diet. And it seems to help them put on weight and grow faster. Um, so not, not like power feeding them, but they just you're seem right. to grow at a really healthy rate. Um, that makes sense. I mean, you're giving them a little more protein and I'm sure they're eating more than just dead fruit in the wild. Cause that's very yeah. seasonal. But some of them are picky. Some of them aren't. We have like we have a couple that are just trash cans. I mean, you can give them a hornworm. You can give them a, a soldier fly larva. You can give them a mealworm. They'll just take it down. And the other ones, if it's not a cricket, they don't want anything to do with it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have that. My turtles will just eat anything <laughs> that moves that they can swallow. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to the monitor getting there because right now she's picky. She likes crickets. She'll eat dubia roaches on occasion, but like you offer her a horned worm or a super worm and she gets offended and goes in her log and turns her back on you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, do they have that kind of a personality then? I might be anthropomorphizing the crap out of this lizard. I don't know. But to me, you know, you offer her a cricket and tongs and she's excited about it. She might not be hungry at the moment. She might ignore it. But the couple times I've tried the horned worm and a couple times I've tried the Superworm, she literally turned around and went back in her log. Huh. Doesn't do with anything else. So, okay, I have another question since you keep scrubs and and a monitor. Mm -hmm. okay. So scrubs are more turned on or more into what's... Yeah. What's you said you have Halmaharas. Oh, a Halmahara gecko. Oh, I'm completely gecko. off then. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, you have Halmahara scrubs? No, no, we have Halmahara geckos. I don't oh, know what man. their other name would be, but they're just like a, they're like a size down from lychees, but they have okay. the attitude of a toke. So okay. yeah, they're, they're, we call them, uh, we call them our satanic trash bags. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They're so all... just like scrub pythons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we have zero pythons right now. Uh, we uh, haven't just again, boas. That's just okay. Boas. I, yeah. you know, I should probably change my pythons for boas. Um, no, I, I have nothing. I, I'd love to get into carpet someday. It's just like I had to pick something. Not those, and... not those pythons. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Those ones I want. 
I don't know. We decided to try to do corns or balls. So we mm. have both of them. And I don't know. She likes the balls because they're bigger. And, like, the kids can... I mean, they're more size manageable, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. They're bigger. So mm-hmm. they're easier for a six-year-old to handle mm-hmm. versus a baby corn snake. So Yeah, baby corn snakes are zippy angry pencils. Yeah. Some something's gonna go eventually and it may be both but i don't know well my dream down the road i want to get into tree monitors so that's my big that, that would be amazing it, if that's I expensive had, if you only knew if i had space that would be the that's thing. the other problem if i only had the space money's not an if issue only had the space. <laughs> right. uh, I, if you want money get will captive, be an issue if you but... want to get captive money won't be an issue um <laughs> If, but, if you I mean, get imports, it's, it's yeah, hard. yeah, I'm with you. And buy captive, buy captive, a hundred percent. Anyway, well, it's been fun, pegs. Yes, yeah. it has. Any other questions, pegs? Before no, I, this I, goes two and a half hours. Yeah, I'll, if, if I if I come up with them, you'll you'll be hearing from me on Instagram. I'll, I'll message the questions. Sounds good. And we'll have to get we'll have to get Kayla on because y'all can talk. She loves turtles. So. Heck yeah, so, <laughs> I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, all right. Well, our wrap up questions then are: <laughs> if you could keep anything, extinct, not extinct, size, space requirements don't matter. You have to breed it. You have to be producing it. That's the key. What would it be? Actual velociraptors. Okay. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I want I want tiny carnivorous chickens. Just <laughs> that that would be cool. Yeah. Just <laughs> flock of them. Could you imagine like instead of a chicken coop, it's a velociraptor coop? No. Oh, man. You open the door and you die. Like it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Take your gun. You're shooting blanks to scare them away as you're grabbing <laughs> the eggs to make your omelet in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you have to Heck literally yeah. put on a. That you sounds have to fun. Go, yeah, suit of armor. Yeah, that time is pretty close because they now bred chickens that have teeth and now and with oh, good. wonderful. Legs. So, you know, you, you could have a Velasa chicken. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, if you had any piece of advice for a new keeper, be it in crested geckos or boas or whatever, whatever you want, any piece of advice what would it be? I will make it a controversial piece of advice. Perfect. Um, That's been the whole episode. So yeah, uh, apparently I like going down that road with y'all. Um, well, you know, we'll, we'll have you back next time. Some more stuff comes up. My, my advice would be within reason. Don't, don't be dissuaded. If someone tells you the reptile that you want isn't a beginner animal. If it's something that you do the research for, especially if you can find a breeder and get mentorship and you know you are capable financially, physically, all those ways in space, all that to take care of it, you know, again, within reason, by within reason, I mean, your first monitor should never under any circumstances be a croc monitor. That's just not smart. Right. But, um, but you know, if you want, Say you've never owned a lizard before, but you want an Aki as your first lizard. You don't want a bearded dragon or a leopard gecko. Well, then don't get the bearded dragon or leopard gecko because what happens is those become abandoned pets. They get they get neglected. They get dropped off at a rescue because someone told them, well, you have no reptile experience, so you can't have an Aki. You need to go get a bearded dragon. Mm-hmm. So if it's something you want, again, like I said, 
talk to people in the community, find somebody that's willing to answer your questions and not be a jerk and, and do your research. And, you know, like I said, as long as you do the research and you can handle it and knock yourself out. I mean, why, why get bogged down with corn snakes, ball pythons, bearded dragons, when what you want is a carpet python, go get the carpet python, skip all the other stuff. Yeah, good. 100%. I've said something very similar numerous times on the show. Yeah. Get what, keep what you want. Uh, mm -hmm. even if what you want is intermediate or expert level yeah do the research before yes not get into a croc monitor not <laughs> right. having any idea or a borneo doing. earless monitor or yeah. a dragon snake yeah stately yes. Yes. But... yes just or a king cobra that's a terrible first yeah no no, no that is <laughs> right yeah I, yeah i well hang on that goes back to something earlier, real quick. Um, back on Phil Wolf, uh, have you heard the um, Reptile Fight Club with him and Scott Borden? I did. And, oh my goodness. That was a great episode. That is, if you are interested in keeping Venomous or not, it is, it is a person from Florida who follows Florida rules. And Scott, not Borden, Scott Iper. Um, Scott Iper from Australia, who follows Australia rules, and they have a conversation about the best first venomous snake. And yeah, it is a it fantastic is episode. Definitely it spicy. It is heated. It is yeah. great. It makes you think they hate each other at first, but then it, <laughs> it warms up into a nice gushy ending. But that's okay. That's what I came there for. Well, that's why it's called Reptile Fight Club. Right. It was. It was. <laughs> Not kumbaya at first, but it became that. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's totally worth a listen. My last question is, I don't know if you know of the show Wild Kratts. Like based off the Krat Brothers? Yeah, the Krat Brothers did it um, from yeah. Zabumafu, uh, but they did an animated show. I haven't seen it. But okay. okay. <laughs> they have. Yeah, I asked this question. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so they have. Forgetting. They have. Question. They have, I just added it. Well, it's been a while now that I've added it, but <laughs> uh, anyway, the if you could have any creature power, i.e. a spider that can oh. climb on walls or a dolphin that can swim underwater and see in sonic sound or whatever creature power, what creature power would you have? Oh, I, I it's no brainer for me i definitely want like the spider-man able to stick to things because i'm so sick and tired of using 32 foot ladders at work to get on roofs oh, to deal man. with like if i could never have to get on a ladder again if i could just climb the side of the house in order to screen off the gable vent to get rid of the bats like that would be ideal uh so <laughs> nice. yeah that that hands down i know that's not inventive i know that's been done in a comic book but it would solve it's a lot never of been problems. done on this show though. oh okay. so you're good I'm good nothing well, it would nothing that you did was done on the show so it would if it, it was would i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> when someone answers with the same thing i might be like uh not original enough try again <laughs> i don't know is that mean and what if someone <laughs> says like i want my ribs to spread out like a flying snake so i can jump off a roof and glide like that would also be creepy but cool <laughs> Yeah, but then you get the second person saying it, and you're like, "Uh, you copied." <laughs> yeah, because that's pretty. That's pretty specific. Yeah, that's a... well, right. The the right. power that both Joe and I want is the jumper powers. Like, oh, let's go to uh, Paris for lunch. Ding, and then we're there. <laughs> there you go. That's the power. Nice. I want. 
I thought but you meant jumper power is like a power. Yeah, I where you could know. jump like sixty miles. You know. Yeah. Oh, that'd day. be cool. Well, I mean, that'd get you there about the same speed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much for yeah. coming on. Thank we you all so much for having it. me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and and next time if we can have like side by side you and and Kayla, that would be really hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We just have to get that scheduled. She like said she works the three to eleven every yeah. Monday through Friday, so that's and, tough. And you work schedule. the days. <laughs> yeah, I work the days. We're snoring people in the bed. That that's all our interaction is during the week. Like, yeah. <laughs> relationship don't get, doesn't get old. <laughs> and then the weekends, it's just like, hey, let's build reptile cages. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome though yeah. that's awesome yeah, it's a lot of fun we have a good time we <laughs> wanted you here too kayla yes yeah we wanted you to be here too that's great <laughs> she's here in uh, spirit yeah yes she well she's here in chat in a text so, yeah, in chat, yeah. yeah um so where could people find you charlie and kayla um uh, instagram um serenity dragons i think it's serenity underscore dragons because someone already took serenity dragons um Facebook, Serenity Dragons, and we did start a YouTube channel, but there's not much there. There's um, lots of comments on this video there. Yes. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, we haven't we haven't done much with the YouTube. Uh, you and I discussed about it, Matthew. I've been very yeah. intimidated by DaVinci Resolve. It's uh, you know, I'm still trying to get a podcast out. Yeah, that's that yeah, hasn't, hasn't I'm happened. It yeah. still hasn't happened yet, has it? Nice. I have a I have a travel video filmed or like pretty much all edited by nipper reed i just need to try and send it through and hope it works um yeah such a bad feeling yeah no it really is and then i lined yeah. up more people for that travel thing and like now yeah uh, like yeah. hey the travel thing's not working out please come on the show no response <laughs> like oh, i fucked oh, it up no. didn't i anyway all right <laughs> I'm sure you'll get it sorted, man. Yeah, it'll all work. But anyway, um, Peggy, you, yes. where do we find you at? How do people contact you? On Instagram, I am Detmers Studios. All run together. D-E-M-E-R-S Studios. And then on Facebook, um, let's see it. Peggy Ann Detmers um, is my art page. And my reptile page is um, Black Hills Turtle Forum. And uh, yeah, so catch up on my artwork and, and my turtles there. And yeah, that's where I'm at. So wait, wait, wait. You're a science hippie and an artist? Wait, how does that? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go hippie. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> not really a hippie. Well, you know, I was in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah, I was a little hippie. And uh, but um, uh, yeah, once I got into science, you know, graduated in wildlife and fisheries and general biology. With a micro minor, and uh, but then um, uh, I always had drawn as a kid. But my uh -huh. dad goes, "You can't make money doing that, so just do that, you know, on the side and and uh, you know, get your science degree." And so that's what I did, and uh, started uh, oil painting and pencil drawing and bronze, large bronze outdoor monumental sculptures. And, Very nice. And so they they found out that the art world. You know, could pay more than the science world <laughs> when you can the monumental bronzes mm -hmm. and uh so yeah so i'm about to start another one of those projects and uh that'll you know be uh, a new uh, tortoise room on, on attached to a new garage <laughs> to, awesome to do to, after that project 
but yeah, I, I bought this, this three acres and the two log cabins and the barn, you know, because my art, um, sales. Um, and so, yeah. So that's where you see my, my artwork, mostly all, uh, wildlife and, uh, and equine and some, uh, Native American on horseback hunting buffalo. So, yeah. I, I wish I was good at something other than being a professional redneck, but like, I don't know those skills. <laughs> um, I'm, the older I get, the more I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> older, older, yeah, right. Older. Well, I'm. Hang on, pegs. Hang on. We got we got a good chunk. Well, me and Charlie are almost the same generation. I would say we pretty much are. But you're you're up there more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not being grade, mean. I love Peggy. Grade, grade school oh. in the '60s, junior uh, high school in the '70s, uh, high school and college in the '70s, and and, and uh, all our high school and college was past 2000 for both oh, of us. And, and I feel sorry for you guys because I went to college when it was affordable. You know, yeah. the, you know, uh, the credit hours were only you know, um, you know, twelve dollars a credit hour. Now they're what two hundred seventy dollars a credit hour. Yeah, no. Try more than that. I try more than that. Yeah. Really? I'm I'm betting I think the last time I looked like one class was three grand and this was like eight or ten years ago and that's that local at Black Hill State, place. like a a state university. Yeah. So right. like over three grand a class and one class is three credit hours. So Yeah, well that's ridiculous. I mean I, I graduated with no student loans. I gra I went and I went through from seventy five through eighty with two majors, one minor, five years, no student loans, and uh, yeah, and and because I you know I, I worked in the summer and you know and, and I did fight forest fires that was hazard pay and uh, you know so that was quite a deal. <laughs> Are you gonna write a book? I gotta have the life of Peggy. Like, I mean, I know we don't have time, but next time oh, I'm yeah, on, I gotta. No oh my gosh. I've, I've had two writers wanting to be my ghostwriter over things I will not say. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I got to hear about firefighting. Oh, this is well, too short. I we, need more we than two can, hours with y'all. Well, okay. hey, you, you've got that, but we probably should wrap up for the yeah. listener because yeah. they're going to get cranky by now. Yeah. Um, anyway, for me and the podcast, you can reach us at Herp Talk Radio on Instagram. We have a Facebook group um, where most of the people who've been on the podcast are. And if you have questions as a new person coming in, feel free to ask them there. That is what it's for. So we can connect the new people with people who actually care to help you correctly. And they might not know what they're talking about 100%, but we're all willing to learn in that group. So join that. Um herptalkradio at gmail.com shoot me an email if you're in the south carolina north carolina tennessee missouri ohio illinois minnesota iowa kansas oh man pretty much there's a whole line there if you're around shoot me a call that turtle to patrick and yes and i can bring the other one back for you um well, I so, think it would get to him quicker if I just shipped it to him. <laughs> well, if you shipped it today. <laughs> anyway. We'll talk. Everyone have a good night. We'll have a wonderful evening. Night, Thanks. day, evening, whenever you're listening. We'll see you next time. Yes. Thanks, Kayla, for lending us your man for a while. 